You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it! Is that clear? You think you've merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back! It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There are no Russians. There are no Arabs. There are no third worlds. There is no West. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. Petrodollars, electrodollars, multidollars, Reichmarks, rims, rubles, pounds, and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. You get up on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide, and Exxon. Those are the nations of the world today. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. Surprisingly sinister Ned Beatty, ladies and gentlemen, in the uh, Masterwork Network. All right, it is uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 and this, the month of September, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. The talker, this, my friends, the Rick Emerson radio program, an excursion into whimsy and anger. Thanks so much for coming along. It is, uh, what is it, Thursday? Wednesday? Help me out. Thursday. Thursday. All right, Thursday. That's what it is. It is Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. Uh, it is 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, we are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to get on board with your comments, questions, clarifications, uh, kibitches, rants, ruminations, two cents, screechings, ideological screeds. Whatever you'd like to bring to the table. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by, ready, willing, able, and unintelligible. He's there to pass along your... I mean, when I say pass along, here's the thing. You're going to call up and he's going to go... And you're going to say, Hi, this is Ted. I'm calling from um, Gladstone. I'd like to talk about the uh, chicken. And then Richie will say... And then you'll just hear kind of a... sound. You're going to go and hold... And then you'll hear the show, and then you'll hear it, and it'll be us. You're not going to actually understand anything Richie's saying today. And he's blaming it. 
Here's the thing. I tried to talk to Richie in the hallway about five minutes ago about something or other. I think it was about trying to get the Obama people on the phone today, which it, it really, it's like the ship has sailed. The, the horse is gone. The paint is spilled. The thing has gone into the thing. It was really, you know, I tried to get a hold of him yesterday to give advice, to help. Uh, you know, to lend my considerable intellectual heft to the cause. It's okay. You know what? Just turn down my advice. Doesn't matter. Um... So Richie gets me in the hallway this morning, though, to ask me about getting the Obama people on today. And he's like, you know what you're... And I looked at Sarah, and Sarah looked at me, and we both looked at Richie, and I said, I do not know what you just said to me. What are you talking about? And he looked at me again, and he said, I don't know if you want to And that is exactly what he sounded like. And I, and I said, what is wrong with you? And, he, and this is what Richie's explanation was. Not like, I'm drunk. Or, you know, I was up all night, uh, like, huffing floor solvent. He said, well, I exercised this morning, so now I can't talk, which makes no sense. That is a transparent falsehood, Richie Bristol. All right. Well, in any event, uh, you can still call, though. I mean, you're, he's not going to make any sense, but hopefully you will. It's 503-733-2970 when I get aboard today. 503-733-2970. Don't forget, one random on-air caller today wins a copy of Sports Night, the entire series on DVD, the 10th anniversary edition the complete series of Sports Night, one of the finest uh, sitcoms ever made. Eight DVDs, including documentaries, uh, commentaries, behind the scenes. Uh, laugh track is still there, but, you know, into each life some laughs must fall. So uh, there you go. Uh, Sports Night, the entire series on DVD. Eight DVDs, the 10th anniversary edition, goes on sale next Tuesday. You can win it today, though. One random on-air caller. And today our final pair of tickets to see Robert Plant and Allison Krauss. Next Tuesday at the Rose Garden. Tickets on sale now at Comcast Ticks. Dot com. Uh, at some point today, I'll work a Led Zeppelin lyric into casual conversation. If you identify it, if you spot it, if you hear me do it, you call caller number five to point it out. Uh, you'll win a pair of uh, tickets to Robert Plant, Allison Krauss, next Tuesday. Rose Garden tickets still on sale right now at this very moment. All right. What else? Uh, let's see. CNN Radio correspondent uh, Steve Kastenbaum will join us from New York City. Um, I guess Lance Armstrong is inadvisedly doing some sort of... Uh, he's doing some comeback or something, like everybody always does. I'm quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm quitting. Did you miss me? I'm back. Same thing everybody does. So Lance, Lance, Armstrong, uh, Lance Armstrong is coming back. We'll also talk about the David Blaine thing, which so few people cared about the David Blaine thing that it was uh, it really was overshadowed last night. I swear to God, in Anderson Cooper, it was overshadowed last night by some amusing video of an elephant. That's what I, Anderson Cooper has done this thing. So he started working in these this, this sort of weird... Kind of Ron Burgundy kind of a thing at the end of the 360 where he shows bizarre animal footage. Like that thing of the cat, like the sinister looking cat that he showed like three or four nights in a row. And then it was elephants clearing up brush. And then maybe last night, it might have been an alligator last night. Anyway, so Anderson Cooper has started doing this 30 seconds of weird animal footage at the end of every night's program. That's what they focused on instead of David Blaine. That's how little David Blaine matters to anybody. But I guess he did the big conclusion to his stunt last night. And I just opened up the... I was reading the news this morning. It said, David Blaine's conclusion leaves everyone bored. They didn't even try to... They didn't try to soft soap it. There was no subtlety about it. Yeah, pretty much pick your wrong time to do something like that. If you want to be an attention whore, pick some other time. That's what I'm saying. No one cares, David Blaine. No. Maybe your next magic trick can be to disappear. Permanently. That's what I'm saying. All right. Uh, you know what he should do? Here's how David Blaine could get himself a little bit of a buzz, a little bit, a little bit of you know, the heat back to him. He ought to do that sawing a woman in half thing and just have it go terribly wrong. You know what I mean? I'd watch that. I'd certainly watch the thing after that anyway. All right. Steve Kastenbaum will join us today about the David Blaine. And Lance Armstrong, Lisa Desjardins will join us from the Hill about, I don't even know. It's like I say it now. I plan, God laughs, and then whatever we were going to talk to her about has changed into something else by the time she gets on the air. So we actually talked to her yesterday twice. We had her on about 
There's the financial thing, and then there was whether the debate was, uh, you know, going to whether the debate was going to be exciting or dull this Friday, whether the debate was going to cover well-traveled territory, or whether it was going to be fresh new ground. And then by the time we talked to her again at 2:45, it was like, is the debate even going to happen? And that's all they were talking about last night. So we'll and. Let me just say, in just a moment, not to be all about the glorious golden genius of me, Rick Emerson, but in a moment, we're going to be all about the glorious golden genius of me, Rick Emerson. And you will know why uh, you, you, what is the guy, what is it that the guy says in um, The Wizard of Oz? And you will know the might of the great Oz, something rather, a thing like that. We'll talk about the debate last night, uh, the debate coverage last night, and then I'm going to make an observation about something, and then it's all going to tie together here in a moment. What debate last night? No, something about the debate coverage they had last night in the news. The text message that you sent me? I sent Sarah a text message, I sent Chris Neathen a text message, and I was t- I told my wife something last night. This is the debate coverage about the theoretical debate on Friday. Oh, okay. I made an observation last night. It's all going to come through, and I'm kind of all over the place. We're going to tie it together in a second. It's all going to make so much sense that you will be staggered, Tim Riley. All right. Uh, we'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent James Roop about the O.J. Simpson trial. We didn't get him yesterday because he was busy with some other stuff. He was talking about, yes, the city council worried about the sagging pants of young men everywhere. So we'll discuss that. Dorothy Casaseri will be here from the National Enquirer because they got all the, uh, the the latest Sarah Palin stuff where I guess they got the sworn affidavit and the three different people that says she was like, I don't know, putting out to some guy who sells snowmobiles. I mean, really, that's a way to that, that, that's a way to impress nobody. Think of the children, won't you, please? Well, what does what does your dad do? Well, I don't know. He goes and he, I don't know. He he catches he catches crabs or something on this in the ocean. What does mom do? She humps a guy that sells sm- snowmobiles. That's what she does. And she has a hairdo from 1985. Well, that would be a powerful position in Alaska. I guess it's all relative. Uh, let's see. We'll do today's top five. Uh, Susan Reynolds will be here. Susan Reynolds' top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. That list is just going to go on. I mean, it's never going to end because on Friday we have Scott Daly. I think on Tuesday, Court from KUFO is going to come do his. So that theme is just going to roll on, I mean, forevermore. There's just never going to be an end to that. Uh, what else? And a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, I had some some other specific things to mention, but there's uh, really no point. Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today. So the deal is just about done on the gigantic bailout. Rumor has it there'll be an official announcement in about an hour. Now, car makers want $25 billion from us to bail them out. Letterman tears McCain a new one for canceling his show appearance at the last minute. Wild turkeys take over an Oregon town. The History Channel is coming to Oregon to do a documentary on teeter tots. Proving you're never too old to reinvent yourself. Cash star Ed McMahon becomes a gangsta rapper. Oh, God. A naked man falls to his death from a New York building ledge after being tasered. Brittany and Kevin are going to couples counseling. Could they be getting back together? <laughs> You're making that up. Oh, and Molly the Chihuahua is back home in Bremerton. All right, that's wonderful. Maybe Brittany's dad is finally out of the picture. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about Brittany Spears this morning as I was sitting in traffic coming into work. I was thinking about Britney you Spears. Repeat that. <laughs> what do you mean? I was sitting at home thinking about Britney Spears. No, no, no. I was in traffic this morning and not really moving and staring out over the bridge and pondering my life and the city and time and gods and natures and forces of the earth. And then I started thinking about Britney Spears. I don't even know why. Um, maybe I heard some. Maybe maybe Dennis Miller was mentioning her. Anyways, somehow I started thinking about Britney Spears. And I started thinking about her dad taking over control. Oh, it, it was. He was talking about. He was talking about some athlete. I forget. He was talking about sports, and he was talking about uh, how some guy 
you know, was a good player but didn't really have control of his personal life and his money. And he made the comparison to, remember when we all thought Britney was crazy or she was acting crazy and the dad took over? And that's that's what needs to happen to whatever sports figures she you're talking about. She looks terrific now. Well, so I started thinking about Britney Spears and how, first of all, she's kind of grown up in the public eye, kind of like Michael Jackson, although not to that extent. And so... You get the feeling when you talk to Britney Spears that you probably, I mean, if they offered to let us interview Britney Spears, at this, I mean, it would probably almost not even be worth it. It would just be an exercise in frustration because you get the feeling with Britney Spears, you're never going to get to talk to the real person, right? It would always just be a facade. It would always just be a shell of a person. There was, I used to work at a radio station. This is actually a few years ago, but I used to work at a radio station with somebody. It was a salesperson, unsurprisingly. And there was a salesperson I worked with who, and a lot of salespeople have this condition to one degree or another but there was a salesperson and when you would talk to her you never ever ever got the sense that you were talking to the real person ever and i don't just mean like in the way that she was trying to sell me something because i just worked with her but it was like talking to this weird sort of very shiny sort of plasticky cutout of herself that she kept about four feet in front and like she was like way way deep inside somewhere like the actual her was just buried so far deep inside some sort of weird like protective catacomb that you were just never going to get to it and so every time you like everything you said was hilarious everything you had was good what what rick what happened today well i was diagnosed with melanoma and my house burned down <laughs> oh you that's so great all right hey have a great day okay all right great yeah and you just like what just happened here so but that's what Britney Spears is like. You suspect you're never going to be able to talk to the real person. And I was thinking about that this morning because now she's kind of remaking her public image and she's you know, they're kind of revamping her persona. She's putting the music back out. She's trying to have a little bit of a comeback on the artistic front. And nobody is just saying, hey, remember that time you shaved off all your hair? Hey, what about that time that you shaved off all your hair and then hit the car with the umbrella and screamed? Hey, what about that time you shaved off your hair and hit the car with the umbrella and screamed and then showed us your period panties? Hey, what about the time that you shaved your head and then hit the car with the umbrella and then showed us your period panties and then locked yourself in the bathroom with the kids? Hey, what about that time you shaved your head and then hit the car with the umbrella and showed us your period panties and locked yourself in the car with the kids and then showed us your vagina? Please stop saying period panties. But, please. but like, no one ever mentions that. Well, now it's a new fall season. <laughs> Don't show your vagina after Labor Day, Tim. All right. Uh, I would never. Okay. Anyway, so we'll have a Britney watch coming up later on and uh, other things of that nature. All right. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman. Hello. How are you today? Hello. Hello. I'm doing well. All right. Very, very well. I'm excited. I'm going to go. Um, so, you know that show, My Boys, that I like? Yes. Um, I've only seen, because I don't have the cable, so I watched the first season on uh, DVD, but my friend has all the rest of it saved on her TiVo. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go watch the second season of that today. And that, so what is that show about? Is it, is it a Canadian thing? No, no. It's a, um, it's on TBS, I believe, and it's just uh, it's a girl who who has a group of guy friends and she's a reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. She's a sports reporter. Right. And she basically um, uses all of, like, analyzes her life in, like, sports terms. It's it's really interesting. It's a, and I can kind of relate because... Is it for chicks or guys? It's for both. Okay. I, I, I know guys and girls who like it. All right, then. And, um, yeah, I, I can kind of relate, I think, too, because she works in the media and, you know, she has a lot of male friends. And, Excellent. Um, yeah, it's, it's really exciting okay. to go do that. Today. Really? This is the only time I'm going to make this big lecture to you. You have to watch Sports Night. Okay. I mean, you have to. You just... Uh, really? If you're sort of... I mean, if, is it a sitcom? Yes. So if you're into a... I mean, look, here's the thing. Because uh, Jerry Maguire showed us the way in this. Jerry Maguire is the ultimate date movie. It's the best date movie ever made. Why? Because it's half for guys, half for chicks. It's a love story, but it's about a guy working in sports. I mean, it's, it, 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 you cannot go wrong with Jerry... I mean, at least then. I mean, now it's kind of old habit at the time. You couldn't go wrong with Jerry Maguire for a first date. I mean, you were just going to be in like Flynn regardless. Nothing objectionable there. Nothing to be... Nothing you're going to argue about later on. 
You know, it's not like a, you know, it's not like going to see a taxi driver or something. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, and and it was a 50-50 split in terms of the sort of gender dynamics. Sport, uh, sports Night is very much the same way. And just like I was talking about the paper yesterday, mm-hmm. you would really identify with Sports Night, even more so than the paper, because Sports Night is a sitcom about a bunch of sort of hyper-literate people who talk a mile a minute about everything, who, who are having to do a, ha- you know, having to do a half-hour live television broadcast every night and then manage all of their, like, insane, chaotic personal lives at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of those scenes that, you know, like, the, like the, you know, like we got 30 seconds to be on the air, get your crap together, and, like, I don't have the guest, and where the guests go, and I don't have this, you know, I've had this clip I'm supposed to play, but it's gone, and, you know, my teleprompter just went dead, and I got all this air time to fill. And so there's a lot of, like, it'll sort of resonate with you in terms of, like, what we do here, but it's also just a really well-written show. So when you're done watching that, you'll let me know. Hope okay, you have I'll, a be, I'll be done with my boys tonight, and right. then, I, then I shall watch some sports. Fantastic. All right. Uh, so I'm just... And as I told Tim in the first few minutes of the show, I'm just, uh, I came in today not necessarily rattled. I think I'm, I think we're going to, I mean, I can sort of sense that it's going to be another one of those days where the crazy is in the air, so we're going to have to hold on with both hands. But even like about eight or nine minutes into today's program, I mean, just a few minutes ago, you heard me trying to like have to rein myself in because I was just starting to jimmer myself into a froth. So last night's not debate, because that's maybe tomorrow, but last night's debate coverage, you know, on CNN, uh, on Anderson Cooper, where they were talking about this business of McCain trying to postpone everything. First of all, is the debate happening? I don't even know. It is still on as we speak. But I mean, is, but is it, I mean, it's on in the sense that Mississippi says that it's going to happen and Obama's going to show up. What did McCain say? McCain has said nothing so far, but Governor Hilly Barber has welcomed visitors to the state ahead of tomorrow night's debate. Because the University of Mississippi was like, F that. Like we built our whole year around this, you jackasses. And, We're not canceling. And they kept showing them, uh, you know, dressing the set last night. And you know, the networks have already blocked out their time. Uh, but Obama was very clear about it last night. He said, you know, part of being a president is being able to do two things at once, uh, which is a great little line. I wish I'd thought of that. But McCain still hadn't responded, so I will be, I will be very, very interested uh, to see whether McCain actually shows up for this whole thing. So I was watching this last night and just wallowing. I didn't even get to. I didn't even start watching the Shield till like 11:30 last night. Uh, even though I needed to get it done and I needed to get to bed because I only had three hours of sleep the night before. So but my uh, but my wife and I were just sitting there. And first of all, it was our anniversary yesterday. But that's what we did for our anniversary. We sat on the sofa and we watched Anderson Cooper followed by Larry King followed by more Anderson Cooper for three hours while eating. This is a whole story that I don't have time to get into. Uh, remind me to talk to you about our white trash dinner last night. White trash anniversary dinner. Oh, and the Chinese uh, released the story of the successful launch of their uh, space mission mm-hmm. hours before it even left the ground. <laughs> you know, I-, I was afraid that after the Soviet Union imploded, we wouldn't have any of this fun. I'm glad to see that China is the new USSR. Good for them. Um, anyway, so uh, so I'm watching all this coverage last night, and they show Mc- uh, you know McCain doing that. I am suspend. He's like the schooner tuna guy from from Mr. Mom. You know what I mean? And we're all in this together, and we will be dropping the price of schooner tuna by 50 cents a can. And then he waves a little flag. That's what McCain is doing last night. God damn, he looks tired. He just looks tired. And I'm not trying to pick on him for being old. Look, he's 72. What are you going to do? No, he looks exhausted. I mean, my mom's 72. There's nothing wrong with being 72. He well, looks just tired. Not a bad, he's not a bad man. No. He's... Well, his running mate's full of spunk. But he just looks, he looks so beaten down and just tired. He just... And, I mean, running for president, being president will sap you. Remember how Bill Clinton looked all young and youthful and vibrant and everything, got into office? Four years later, looked like he'd been run for a threshing machine. Mm-hmm. And McCain already looks like that. He hasn't gotten the gig yet. That's so, entirely why you... Oh, yeah. Anyway, so McCain is up there talking about suspending the campaign, and they're talking to John King and Candy Crowley and Anderson Cooper about whether the debate's going to go on, whether it's not going to go on. 
and I just got to, and we'll get calls here in a second. People are already calling about this. So I want to give myself just a little bit of credit. You know, I want to give myself a lot of credit. I think you deserve some. Last night, we were sitting there. I'm going to tell this whole story to Lisa again later, so buckle in for that. We're sitting on the sofa last night. We're watching uh, Anderson Cooper, and Anderson Cooper is showing part of Sarah Palin's interview with Katie Couric. And first of all, look, it's not like I got bosoms or anything. And I don't mean to echo uh, Campbell Brown's whole speech about how Sarah Palin's being treated differently because he's a chick and so forth, but it really is true. I, I, you know, and in a way, I can almost see what they're talking about by getting offended. Because, look, you get all the male candidates there, and they put him in a room with with Tim Russert, you know, and they have a microphone, and the doors are locked, and Tim Russert says, "All right, we're going to talk about your economic plan," you know, pony up. And they just get, you know, they get the candidates in a room and they grill them for 90 minutes. You know what they do, Sarah Palin? It's Katie Couric and Sarah Palin walking along the river while piano music plays underneath, because mm -hmm. she's a girl. I mean, they get, you know, whoever, they get McCain, they get Biden, they get Obama in a room, and it's, you know, it's not like it's bare-knuckle politics, but at least they're pretending that it's a real interview. Katie Couric just sitting there. I mean, it's like they're about to go window shopping for shoes. Uh, you know, meanwhile, they've got this, like, weird, this, like, uh, this, like, sub-wind-beneath-my-wings music playing underneath, and just, so, you know, so tell me, Sarah, you know, what, what are you going to bring to this campaign? And Sarah Palin, by the way, is just as, just as thick as two short planks. She really is. There's nothing in there. When you see her, like, not in photographs, when you see her actually moving and talking, she isn't as attractive as I thought no. she was. No, she's not. She opens her mouth, and she immediately becomes exponentially less attractive. Well, she photographs well, but, I mean, just, like, I don't know, seeing her moving and, like, talking, it's not, oh. not pretty. So we're sitting there last night, and we're watching Katie Couric interview Sarah Palin. And at one point, Katie Couric tossed her, like, a real softball question. She says, so, hey, what about this business of McCain getting a bunch of money from lobbyists? And it's a, it's a question she must have been briefed on. Like, Sarah Palin must have known they were going to ask her because it was all over the news for three or four weeks. And she just stumbles and stammers and fumbles. And just I mean, she coughs up the ball. She gets the ball. She coughs the ball up again. And then finally just melts into a puddle of watery goo right there in television. Did I mean, she, she just blow it? it oh, she did. Uh, it was such a non-answer. And it wasn't even that it was a non-answer. It's that she had to circle around it like a gibbering freak for about 30 seconds before even getting to the non-answer. So this is last night around 7 o'clock I see this. And at that moment, uh, to quote, uh, to quote, what's his name, Jules from Pulp Fiction, at that moment, I had what alcoholics refer to as a moment of clarity. It all came together for me in my head. I mean, it was like the idea sprang fully formed into my brain last night around 7 o'clock. And I realized something. And did you ever have this? Did you ever have something where it's not something you were consciously pondering? You weren't really thinking about it, but the idea just occurred to you. And as soon as it did, you immediately knew that it was correct. You in just instinctively, you said, all right, I've never really before pondered this notion, but now that I have, I know that it's true. Here's what occurred to me last night, and I know that this is the case. Them moving McCain's debate tomorrow, or trying to move McCain's debate, is not trying to get out of McCain debating. That's trying to, can that's trying to cancel the vice presidential debate. It's, yeah. no it's not about canceling McCain's debate. That is correct. Yeah, I realized it last night. As soon as I saw her fumbling that question to Katie Couric, when Katie Couric tossed a softball and Sarah Palin just... It just biffed it spectacularly. I suddenly knew at that moment, just as, as well as I knew my, you know, my own name, this is not about trying to get McCain out of the debate. It is about trying to preemptively get Sarah Palin out of the debate. Because there's a thing: if you can cancel a presidential debate, then you certainly got the president, uh, the precedent. It's tricky. If you can cancel the presidential debate, then you certainly got the pre precedent to cancel the vice presidential debate, right? You can say, well, look, we look, we had to cancel the presidential thing, and things aren't still fixed, so we're going to bump the VP debate. And so what they would probably do is they would cancel the presidential debate on Friday. They would then reschedule it for next week, 
thus necessitating the canceling of the vice presidential debate. Mm -hmm. And what that does is, is it makes McCain look like he's working, it gets the vice presidential debate completely off the agenda, and it makes sure that if you are the Republicans, that the only thing you've got going for your campaign, the only thing who's generating any revenue or excitement, Sarah Palin, you are spared the, uh, I mean, just the sure agony of seeing that taken apart live on television. I mean, that's the thing. She's the only thing giving him any momentum. She's the only thing bringing in any money. And that way you don't have to see her just taken down into her component parts next week by Joe Biden, which you almost certainly would see. So there you go. It all occurred. And so I wanted to get on record. So I texted Sarah last night. I said, I'm on record now saying this. This is not about McCain. This is a way to cancel the vice presidential debate. What does it say? I'm on record saying this now in all caps. This is not about stopping McCain's debate. This is about stopping Palin's debate. They do not want her taken apart on live TV. I did that. I sent the same thing to Chris Sneedon last night. I'm like, this is me saying this now for the record before anybody else does. They're canceling the McCain debate so they can cancel the Palin debate. But can they cancel? I mean, if, if Obama keeps saying, no, 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 I'm going to show up, well, I'm going to show up. We'll see. We'll see, oh, man. So stressful. But that's I. But I told Laura that last night too, and she said, "Well, that sounds a little crazy." And I said, "Crazy or not, that's what it's about. They're they're canceling Friday's debate so they can cancel Palin's debate because they know that she will be decimated on television, and she is the only thing they've got going for them." So uh, Congress now has that bailout plan ready to give to the president. So they have reached agreement on the bipartisan counterproposal to the Bush administration's seven hundred billion dollar financial bailout plan. Uh, so both the Democrats and the Republicans have agreed on a set of principles and revisions to the rescue plan, which calls on the Treasury Department to buy up bad mortgage securities from banks in an effort to get them to lend again. All right. Do these calls and we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's Mark? up? Hey, I was listening yesterday to uh, Tim's Top 5 yes, and uh, Alex Cooper came up, and I was just wondering, uh, you know, the great Bernie Toppin who wrote most of John, uh, Elton John's music. He actually wrote in entirety the, the album from the inside of Alice Cooper. Yeah, he and Alice, uh, he and Alice worked on uh, from the inside, and then I think, I think they did another one-off song together at some point. I can't remember which one. It wasn't You and Me. That was Steve Hunter. But um, yeah, Bernie Toppin is all over that uh, that from the inside record, which is a great Alice Cooper album. And on another note, uh, yes, I think Igor is actually answering the phones there today. Yeah, Richie did not sound good. He sounds bad. We'll talk to him about that later on. All right, thank all you, right. sir. All right. By the way, Tim, everywhere I went yesterday, all anybody wanted to do was talk about your top five. I mean, Court, Lisa Wood, Chris Paddock, Susan, everywhere I went, some people, and that was the best top five I've ever heard. Why, thank you. Maybe I should be a radio disc jockey. Dream big, Tim. Mm -hmm. that's, that's true. That's between is, you. Is it, is it too late to start? That's between you and your bank, Tim. Uh, all right, let's take a break. We'll come back after this. we got more on the way. Oh, don't forget, I'm going to revisit your top five uh, in one specific sense when we come back, Tim. Uh, if you're on hold about Sarah Palin, about Led Zeppelin, about whatever, you stay there. We're back around the corner with Lisa Desjardins. Your phone calls are more. All right, then. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right, I'm calm, cool, collected. All right. Burned off my excess energy. I just came in here today like a many-headed hydra of ideas. I had like 500 things I wanted to talk about. And, and lucky us, we get to hear you repeat most of them back to Lisa again. I'm just saying, like in my head, there's the regular, you know how like on radio now, there's the regular channel, then there's like H, the HD channel, and then there's like the HD2 channel, and then there's the whatever. Like in my head, it's like that all the time. There's the one thought, and then there's the five sort of concurrent thoughts. This is all happening at the same time, everything going forward. And first segment of the show, trying to put all six channels of my brain out on one signal. Doesn't really work. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the Hill. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. Hey, guys. How are you doing? I am doing a-okay. 
Are you really? I am. I am. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, that's crazy today. Uh, well, day's not over, as uh, Jack Palin says. That's the truth. So, do you still stand by your assessment that yesterday was crazy, but today's going to be crazier? I don't. I think I think I may have miscalculated. Today is is crazy, but it's not as cra- not crazier than yesterday. Uh, I mean, just the number of things that happened yesterday and the rapidity with which those things started to happen. I mean, it was it was what Art Bell used to call the quickening. With every hour that on the show that passed yesterday, the more things were happening, and the time between events was just shortened and shortened and shortened and shortened. So, well. Let's get right to the big question, which is, uh, all right, so what is up with the debate? Happening, not happening? Is it just going to be an empty chair over over on McCain's side? What is up with that? No, at this point, no idea. Everybody in Mississippi going forward. Barack Obama says he's going forward. John McCain says it depends on whether there's a bailout deal by tomorrow. And, you know, we don't know exactly what he means by that because just in the last couple of hours, Republicans and Democrats came out, had a press conference here in Congress, said we've agreed in principle to what we want from the bailout. So essentially there is a bailout deal in Congress right now. They've got to negotiate that with the president. And so there's going to be a little give and take there. But but they really are narrowing in on exactly what this bill is going to look like. And we can get into that. But but they're getting they're getting very close. And it seems that they, we probably will have something passed either tomorrow or some people think Saturday. So if there isn't the vote is McCain, but but there's a deal, there's you know a piece of paper that says here's exactly what we want. Everybody agrees. Will McCain then show up to the debate, even if it hasn't technically passed uh, yet? You know, it does seem this seems a lot like uh, McCain going back to Washington for this whole the, the, the bailout discussion. is sort of like when the president, whoever it might be, shows up at some disaster site so he can hop off a helicopter and go, hey, and get his photo taken, like giving a thumbs up next to a pile of dirt. I mean, that's really what it is, right? It's like McCain going back so he can, you know, so he can go to Washington and be photographed standing next to like a giant check that they're going to be presenting to like, you know, General Motors. So um, it's interesting because John McCain himself was just here uh, an hour ago. He was downstairs very close to where I am now in the luncheon with Senate Republicans. He apparently did stand up and say a few words and said, I'm I'm, thank you all for everything you've been doing. I'm here to help. Uh, you know, and that, that he isn't necessarily on board a deal or not yet. Um, you know, and it's fascinating because, you know, we asked all these Republicans. He was maybe he wasn't in that meeting too long. I, I think maybe 40 minutes, maybe less. Uh, but as Republicans were coming out, you know, we, a few of them, we said, hey, you know, what do you think? What did Senator McCain say? And to a person, the, all of these Republicans said to me, oh, he's been a great help. He has been a great help. <laughs> you know, I wasn't even asking, was he a help? I just said, hey, what did he say? He has been a great help. He's a great help. He's been a great help. All glory to the hypnotoad. Yes, it was really, it was a little extreme. Uh, and, you know, some of them carried it off better than others. And, but, it, you know, they, they kind of, they, they get it. Everybody here gets the politics involved, and uh, they, aren't, they aren't blinking at it. It was better than cats. I will see it again and again. <laughs> right, exactly. Whatever. Uh, I mean, so... he, really, he, he got to his office at, here on Capitol Hill well, right around uh, like 1230 or so. Well, let me make one observation. it was an hour later that the deal was announced. Let me make one observation and ask one question. This is the observation. I will boil it down to its essence so everybody doesn't have to hear me gibber on about it for another nine minutes. Uh, last night, Anderson Cooper showed a little little clip of Katie Couric, quote, interviewing Sarah, uh, Sarah Palin, which really was just them sort of like, I mean, I expected them to go like feed pigeons in the park, uh, you know, to, you know, to the to the sound of like uh, D Lovely, and then but just you sort think of. It was wanted, that bad, huh? 
I just think it was, you know, it, it, it kind of does go to Campbell Brown's sort of thing that, you know, the male candidates get put in a room where Tim Russert, you know, whoever, is kind of goes at him with hammer and tongs, and meanwhile the two of them are going to go shopping for socks at Saks Fifth <laughs> Avenue. And there's, like, piano music playing underneath it and everything. It's just, anyway. But when I, I saw Sarah Palin fumble just the easiest question, they were kind of tossing her, Katie Kerr tossed her this question about McCain being in bed with lobbyists and whatever, which she had to have been prepped for. And, man, she just ate it. I mean, she just she just fumbled the ball on her own one-yard line. It was just it was embarrassing. And as I watched Sarah Palin just flounder like a trout on a riverbank, it occurred to me with just instant clarity and understanding. And I texted. I sent Sarah a text about it. I sent my friend Chris Neathen a text about it. I told my wife. I said, I am on record now. I'm going to be the first person on the record saying this, that... If they can get McCain out of tomorrow's debate, you know, great. That's a little icing on the cake. But it's not about that. It's about canceling McCain's debate for tomorrow so they can reschedule it next week so they don't put Sarah Palin, who is their only momentum and revenue generator, on television where she will be taken apart like a wet suitcase. Well, yeah, that's the main that's plan. I mean, that's that's what he suggested. If the debate doesn't happen, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's exactly what they. I'm not. I thought you knew that. No, no, I real. I honestly, hand to God, I didn't. I just said this. I sent Sarah this text message last night, and I said, all caps. I said, uh, what is what does my text message say, Sarah? Uh, let me see. You sent it at. 8.56, and it says, I'm on record saying this now. This is not about stopping McCain's debate. This is about stopping Palin's debate. They do not want to take her, uh, they don't want her taken apart on live TV. That's my whole thing, and I figured they would bump McCain to next week. they take Sarah Palin out of the line of fire again, and then, as I said, you know, she is just a tiny little engine who is running the sputtering Model T that is the, the Republicans this fall. And wow. the last thing they want is for their only source of light and hope to just be deconstructed on television, which would almost certainly happen because she's a poor debater. Here's the email we got yesterday just after 6 p.m. Uh, East Coast time. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham tells us the McCain camp is proposing that if uh, there's no debate Friday, that the presidential debate take the place of next week's vice presidential debate on August 2nd. Uh, and that that VP debate be rescheduled for a date to be determined. Rick Emerson's a genius. How about that, people? All right, that's it. I'm going to quit this and I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go work for uh, Dick Morris or something. I mean, really, I just have to. I, 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 I have to say now. Here's what's interesting. You completely called this, uh, and on the other hand, a very high-level um, CNN executive responded to this email that went out to a pretty big group um, and said, could this get any stupider? <laughs> and so kind of saying, "You got are you kidding me? You're going to swap the debates all around, move the VP debate? And what's interesting is we know that John McCain, I don't even remember if you and I have talked about this or not, because uh, it's all just getting to be a blur, but John McCain has not been preparing for the debate. Uh, his campaign has been saying that openly. Almost, maybe they're trying to lower expectations. I don't know. But they say he's going to debate on the. He's going to prepare on the fly. So here and there, maybe he's thinking about oh. it. And and tomorrow morning was when he was going to perhaps have some debate prep. But they didn't have plans necessarily for the kind of you know him versus the fake opponent like on West Wing, which is what Barack Obama's been doing. Right, Barack Obama right. has been in Florida for days doing debate prep. Um, okay, so I got the, the couple other things here, and uh, who knows? We may end up talking to you like nine more times today. One, I'm a, I have a question, and then I have a great idea, one of my patented great ideas. One, so if McCain shows up, it looks like he blinked, right? It looks like Obama is the man, and McCain has to just do what Obama wants. Mm, I think this is one of those that people who um, 
like McCain are going to see it one way. People who don't will see it the other. Uh, people in the middle, it, it's just going to be a split. I think the McCain voters are going to say, you know, he was right, and he went to Washington, and that's what he was supposed to do. And, you know, he, he, he was right to, you know, put it on hold potentially, and everything worked out, and isn't it great? The other people are going to say, give me a break. This was what exactly changed in John McCain's I life. He was in Washington uh, for, uh, you know, half a day. And it looks like he'll probably be here for maybe a full day at this point. Uh, and and so what? You know, the people are going to say that that's just ridiculous. But um, I, I think this one, people are going to be split on whether it was just silly or whether it really was statesmanship. All right, I have no lie. The best idea you're going to hear this month. Oh my gosh! Okay. No, no, no. You got to steal yourself. Brace yourself. Wow. For this. Okay, I'm almost salivating. That's awkward. Uh, all right, here's the thing. Now, you know, I had the idea yesterday the Obama people say, hey, send Sarah Palin. I got a much better idea. This one's so much better than that. So much so that Obama needs to now get on his knees and pray that McCain won't show up tomorrow. Don't want to do the debate. This is so genius that I had to just go and just demand a lifetime stipend from the Obama campaign now for this. Wow. I should ask for, I, I should ask to be given a, the post. I want to be the ambassador to American Samoa. Here's what the, no, no, no. Here's what Obama does tomorrow. Obama says, look, Senator John McCain feels like he needs to be back in Washington, D.C., instead of here discussing how he's going to perhaps run this country and handle these problems if he is elected this fall. So because we want the American people to have the best of both worlds, and then here's what Obama does. They have the debate, and even if Obama's people have to stage it themselves and sort of do the production themselves on television, if they have to buy the time, they set it up like an actual debate. They have a moderator ask the same questions they know they would have been asked. Obama gives his answers. And then for McCain's side, they just go to the record of McCain on camera or on mic or on the congressional record speaking to those issues. That's it. It's, it's, they actually they find they get the issues and they find film of McCain talking about those issues. And they play back a clip of McCain talking about those issues whenever he was on camera. And that represents the McCain side. It is not at all a bad idea for That's the Obama campaign. Right? That's a great idea. See, but, it is. You know, and I almost I have to wonder if the presidential debate commission isn't considering that themselves. You know, the Obama people won't even call me back. We tried for like three hours yesterday. They won't even return my calls. Uh, the second thing I have to point out is is I I don't know that this has happened before. Maybe I've missed it, but suddenly um, your Barack Obama voice had some kind of a southern accent vaguely. Just has it? Now. Yeah, oh, just, just now you're like you know. We will debate you. You know, there's there is a sort of almost little little kind of little kind of Bill Clinton slipping in there a little bit. I don't know. I'm not really a good voice guy. It's, I mean, I'm mean, terrible. I'm the worst. It's all I can do to do my own voice. I am. All right. Uh, well, uh, maybe we will see. I mean, this time tomorrow, hopefully, we'll know if there's going to be a debate or not. And I'm just getting an email uh, saying that there's a because there there are it's hilarious. There are CNN is crazy all over this. At one point, uh, I was talking to a Republican senator downstairs, and I noticed there were maybe five or six reporters around him, because I went up to him, and then, you know, everybody kind of gloms on. Right. And by the end, there were six of us there, and four of us were from CNN. <laughs> and I just kind <laughs> of was like, uh... All right. I got to run. Thank you so much, Lisa. All right. Bye. All right. Bye now. All right. There you go. I got to start wrapping up with her earlier. You know, here's the thing I had to learn about Lisa. God love her. Like me, her final question is always the longest question of the entire interview. We have Lisa on, and her final question is always the one that goes three times longer. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Castabell. Hello, sir. 
Hey, pretty good. I don't, I don't mind waiting. Uh, usually the, the phone system picks up right away, and I get, I get worried that... Uh... You know, they keep claiming that they fixed it, and then it keeps not being fixed. It's all. Eventually, I just expect that those calls are going to go to the moon. You're going to call in. It's going to be on hold. Uh, you know, and then, you know, it's going to be picked up by, like, tech support in Bangladesh, and they're going to ask you to unplug your computer. So, uh, and I was just saying to Sarah that, you know, I, I love Lisa. We've had her on a lot. I should know by now, though, that as I said, the, the, whenever I say, hey, I got one more thing, or when she has one more final comment, that comment that she gives at the end is always, like, five times longer than anything else she's done. So We all seem to do that. Yes, it's true. Um, all right. Uh, they basically, they just need to give me a nine-hour show, and then these problems would be solved. Two things. Um, I'd listen for nine hours. God bless you, Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, let's talk about Lance Armstrong. So uh, I never know how to feel about these things, like the Jordan thing, when he retires and then comes back. You know, Ali famously retired, came back. Uh, you know, in the, the world just Bobby Fischer retired, came back, vanished again. So Lance Armstrong not saying he's going to come back. And this is a dumb question. He's going to come back. He's not going to come back at, like, water polo or something. This is you know, for for cycling. Right. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is he ran the marathon here in New York uh, last year. And he did pretty good in, uh, in under three hours, only, only like 15 minutes behind the times of the winners. Mm -hmm. And if he uh, lost like 10 or 15 pounds and was leaner, he'd actually be a really good competitive marathon runner. Is he one of those guys that's just good at everything and therefore you have to kind of love him while simultaneously loathing him? He's one of those guys that uh, when, when he sets his mind on something, he attains the goal no matter how hard it is. So, you know, he, he said that about uh, about coming back now, coming out of retirement for cycling. He said that... Uh, you know, once he puts his mind to something, the body follows. So, you know, he thinks he's going to win a, an eighth uh, yellow jersey in the Tour de France. And uh, I guess if he says he's going to do it, you know, he's going to do it. I don't mean for this to sound morbid, but when, whenever it is that Lance Armstrong dies, and I hope he lives a long, healthy life, uh, you know, as, as they say in Titanic, I hope he, hope he dies fat, surrounded by grandchildren. But someday when Lance Armstrong dies, we've got to cut him open and see what's going on inside there. Because there's other guys like that, right? There's Michael Jordan. There's in the world of uh, business. There's, you know, guys like Bill Gates, where, you know, where Bill Gates, he, Bill Gates apparently has this one little move he does when he's talking about a competitor. And he does this thing where he takes his left hand and he puts the palm out and then he punches his right fist into his palm and he says, We've got to beat them. And then, of course, fast forward five years later, and whoever it is is just destroyed. And so there's guys like that, as you put it, they just decide somehow in their head. They just flip this sort of binary switch that says, you know, must be successful at, and then they just insert, like, business, sport, whatever, and then they just do it. And I guess yeah. there's got to be some sort of almost a chemical element to that in the way their brain is wired. There would almost have to be. My wife is like that with her career. She'll, you know, she sets a goal or she wants to do something, and, and, and by golly, she does it. Right. You know? It's yeah. just, you know, if people can be wired to be uh, gifted in math, if people can be wired to be, you know, like uh, to be idiot savants in a way, sort of gifted at music, or if they could be wired to be depressive or uh, happy or suicidal, it seems like you could be wired to be competitive. It seems like there could be some mixture of chemicals in your brain that just uh, tells you, like, no, you're going to keep going until you win. So, I mean, it's you know, it's kind of a weird thing to me. I'm sort of fascinated by guys like that. Are you like that? Because, uh, you know, if given the choice, you know, I'd rather just, you know, hang out and take each day one day at a time, you know, relax. <laughs> well, see, but that's why you're with a wife who's nothing like that. Right. Uh, and we've talked about that on this show a lot, that uh, we, you know, that is a well-known dynamic, I think, especially in the entertainment world. There's one person who's responsible, one person who's not, one person who's driven, one person who'd rather sit at home, kind of scratching their navel and watching The Simpsons. So uh, that is a well-known couple's dynamic, I think. Yeah, it's not that I'm not productive, but, you know, I'm laid back. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I guess, I don't know. I'm probably somewhere in the middle there, but um, my wife makes up for it by having all of the financial sense in her family. Oh, I have that uh, situation in my uh, relationship too. No, yeah. I got, yeah, I got nothing. I mean, I just, I, I just go home and you know, I mean, I am that guy. I just go home and I decide, you know, what are you gonna? Be? I'm gonna be watching a MythBusters marathon. You let me know how the stock market's doing, sweetie. Let's talk about our friend David Blaine. So I opened up Yahoo today, and it, it, Yahoo actually, I don't have the headline in front of me anymore. It flat out just said something like, everyone is bored by the conclusion to David Blaine's stunt. <laughs> you know what's funny? He got completely wiped out by all the news headlines. Yeah. I, I woke up this morning, and I was like, oh, yeah, what did he do? Because I heard, like, the local top 40 radio station disc jockeys in the morning, like, sort of making fun of it and making fun of the TV announcer's coverage of it and yeah. how anticlimactic it was. So what happened? He just, you know, disappeared after he dove off the wire. Was that it? I, I don't know because I didn't watch like everyone else. Um, I mean, is that the thing that he would? First of all, he was suspended above the ice skating rink. Right. So, so what did he dive into? That's the thing. I, we don't know into nothingness, into another dimension, because he supposedly. Let's not be children, Steve. He did not dive into another dimension. It's sort of like when that other magician, I forgot his name, oh, from years ago, the big Vegas guy, who made the Statue David of Liberty. David Copperfield. Made the Statue of Liberty yeah. disappear. Right. Uh, did David Blaine do this at night? Yes. Okay, here's the thing. From now on, if you're going to make anything vanish, it's got to be during the day. That's a new rule. I'm setting that rule right now. Not the cop from Bill Maher, but that's a new rule. Uh, because David Copperfield, I know exactly what you're talking about. I was watching it on television. And it was kind of a big deal at the time because they had, I think it was right around the time they'd remodeled, you know, they'd done that whole revamp on the statue. They cleaned it up and whatever. And David Copperfield did this whole thing, blah, 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 to show you how much we cherish liberty. For one moment, I will take her away. Blah, 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 blah. And then they, they put this big shroud up around it, and these helicopters were there. And then the, and everybody was kind of pumped up. Hey, he's going to make the Statue of Liberty disappear. That's, that's pretty cool. But then, of course, they did it at like, I don't know, like 11 o'clock at night, New York time. Look. Making something appear to be gone when it's pitch black outside is not that impressive. By that rationale, I can walk outside in my neighborhood around midnight, and I'm a magician because I can't see about half the stuff on my street. I can so. make the hand disappear in front of my face. <laughs> exactly. You know, if I walk into a small closet and close the door, suddenly I'm Harry Houdini. Yeah. So for now on, a new rule. If you are going to vanish or if you're going to make anything bigger than a softball disappear, it's got to be during the day, and you've got to be standing in the middle of a desert. So David Jesus. Blaine is the new uh, Copperfield. Uh, David Blaine is the new guy I don't care about. I mean, I cared about him not at all yesterday. Amazingly, I care about him even less now. I don't mean to sound disproportionately angry about it, but magicians to me are like stand-up comedians. Stand-up comics, the default setting for me is that I hate you if you are a stand-up comedian. You have to prove that I should not loathe you. And so it is with magicians. And that's why they were so ripe for parody on Arrested Development. Because they're just... Cause they're all because it just seems like a thing. It's so hard to not be corny at that these days. I'd rather just see a good card trick. That's it, see, do yeah, do something. I will say that there is one magician I know. Uh, there was a guy. He's a guy called Adam the Great, and he's a magician who works here in the Portland area. And he does the so-called close magic, where like if you're at a restaurant, restaurants put him in you know, bars will hire him, and he'll wander throughout the bar doing you know these weird uh, you know up close magic tricks. I think was it you, Sarah, that he took your watch off? Yes. Yeah, he was in the studio with us once, and he's, like, doing some card trick for Sarah. And then at the end of the card trick, he, like, reaches into his pocket, and he has her watch. You know, and I was, like, three feet away the whole time. So that's pretty impressive. See, see, that's impressive. That is impressive. But you know what? i got to do my own disappearing act right now. i got to go get on the uh, network. <laughs> really? Is that yeah. your, is that gonna, You're going to go out on that tag? Yeah, yeah. All right. Good for you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, 
soon. All right, Bye. there you go. Steve Kassenbaum. And That's he would this annoys me. Not as much as Chris Angel, but and a magician. I can almost like Chris Angel because he's so unbelievably melodramatic that it's almost kind of entertaining in a stupid way. Well, he has to have some endearing quality considering like half of Hollywood has slept with him. Yeah, F that guy. All right, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. This from the Dispatch. A suspected museum thief who was impaled by a sharp spike on the top of a security fence in his... Rectum. For two hours. Says he did not feel any pain because he was drunk. He denied... Say it goes, another benefit to drinking. He denied trying to break into the museum, but claimed he had been in the museum grounds to sleep off a drinking session. Speaking from... The, by the way, he's 32. Speaking from the home he shares with his parents, he said that he'd been drinking, quote, somewhere in town that evening. Because it was late and he was drunk, he decided to go to the museum grounds to sleep it off before walking home. I woke up and decided to continue walking home, but when I saw a tree, I thought I'd be able to jump to the other side. He then fell on the fence... A metal spike entering his private area. He then thought the fence had an electric force that was holding him to it, not realizing it was because he had impaled himself on a spike. He says he screamed for someone to come and rescue him, and not because he was in pain. He was impaled by a 30-centimeter metal spike that went into his area. He was there for two hours. Rescue workers used an angle grinder to cut the steel spike off the fence. He was taken to the hospital with the spike still inserted. And now, Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Lawmakers are reaching agreement on a bipartisan counterproposal to the Bush administration's $700 billion financial bailout. Both parties and the House and the Senate agree to a set of principles on revisions to the rescue plan. The proposal will help homeowners curb executive pay packages at participating firms and provide oversight to the Treasury actions. And among those uh, working on this is uh, Barney Frank, who had this comment. The President made a request. We are responding, I think, to the central thrust of that request, but adding collectively a number of things that will make people legitimately feel better about, about the overall approach. Utah Republican Bob Bennett expresses optimism about the bailout package's prospects in the days ahead. That I now expect we will indeed have a plan that can pass the House, pass the Senate, be signed by the President, and bring a sense of certainty to this crisis that is still roiling in the markets. Democrats had certain demands for the bailout plan. We are going to set the precedent of putting limits on these outlandish settlements, golden parachutes, and other things for the CEOs. So apparently the president was on the television last night, looking very much like Ronald Reagan with a long hallway with a red carpet at the very end. We were talking about this during the break. So you think that the they... leadership shot. You think they'd cop that from oh, Reagan? Yeah. Well, it does have a sort of Riefenstahl kind of quality to it. There's that long-ass red carpet, and then he's flanked on either side. There's like gold curtains or something. 
Um, and that actually answers a question that I got from somebody this morning. Somebody the said... The president. Totally. And and somebody said, it really, it's like you got to be up there for like hanging a medal around Chewbacca's neck or something. Somebody said, why isn't he speaking from the Oval Office or doing like a fireside chat? They pointed out that that set he was on last night... And where do you know where that is? I the, don't know exactly. I it's wanna, very seldomly used. Yeah, it's some some place they like only use when Bush is getting on television and tell us something bad. So they asked, why did he use that set? Because that is the same set from which he spoke when he said, like, we're going to go to Iraq and be splendidly successful. Uh, I mean, that, that was where he made the big Iraq war announcement. You know, where he came out, I have good news. We're going to war or whatever. And you would think it would have some negative associations for him, but, you know, who knows? I, you know, I think they just put him on, like, a dolly, and they wheel him out there, and he says something, and they wheel him back into a closet. So, so to the streets of New York, uh, to the people who watched the speech last night, Carmen said she refused to even watch. I prefer not to hear anything he has to say. And why that? Because I don't believe in anything he has to say. I don't think he has any good advice for any of us. Uh, David from New York City said he watched, but he couldn't get past his own personal feelings. Oh, I don't like the guy. <laughs> okay. Well, fair enough. There you uh, There you go. So the latest from debate land. John McCain's campaign expressed cautious optimism today as the Republicans and Democrats agree in principle to this bailout plan, which McCain said he was going back to Washington to coordinate or oversee or whatever. Mm -hmm. Even so... The action doesn't appear to be strong enough to convince McCain to attend the scheduled presidential debate. Uh, it says, uh, there's no deal until there's a deal, says uh, McCain's spokesman. Wait, uh, okay, so let's back up. I'm, I'm confused. What? So wait, is he is he going to go or is he not going to go? Even so, the action doesn't appear to be strong enough to convince McCain to attend Friday's scheduled presidential debate. What does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. That was just, I was that just from McCain's quote from Brian Rogers. There's no deal until there's a deal. We're optimistic, but we want to get this thing done. I hate to go back to, I hate to just be recycling an Obama talking point, but really, shouldn't he be able to do more than one thing at the same time? Well, he's old. <laughs> and ugly. All right. Hey, by the way, can I read you two back-to-back -back emails? Yes, please. And then we'll get this done. So there's a guy been on hold for like five hours. So right. I'm just going to read you two back-to-back -back emails here. I'm going to read these unedited. I mean, except for terms of acceptance of brevity. I'm not going to alter what they're saying here. But two back-to-back -back emails from two different people. This one says, Rick, dude, I like the show, but ease up on the GOP bashing. You're starting to sound like Air America makes you no better than that nutcase Lars Larson. I know the market is full of lefties, and you have talented people around you, and, uh, you know, especially Tim. Uh, apparently not so much, Sarah. Uh, but, uh, you have talented people around you, especially Tim. I know the market is full of lefties, but don't alienate the rest of us. And then here's another email, different email. Rick. So just read that again. Rick, do what I like the show, but ease up on the GOP bashing. Next email. Rick, if I want to hear Democrat bashing, I'll tune into Lars Larson. I'm tuning out. So there you go. So they're almost back-to-back -back emails. Guy doesn't like me. Too much GOP bashing. Another guy doesn't like me. Too much Democrat bashing. You know what? That's that's just hard cheese, as they say. So uh, y'all have to toughen up. All right, here's Tim Riley. So I have a whole bunch of other stuff here. Uh, let's see. So Mississippi Governor Haley Barber is welcoming visitors to the state ahead of tomorrow night's scheduled debate. He says his state is very honored to be hosting such a thing. I expect there to be a debate tomorrow night. I look forward to it. What, is that Haley Barber? That's Haley Barber. So Haley Haley Barber was he was at one point he was not he was the head of the RNC or is he still head the head of the RNC? 
Is he? I think he was the head of the Republican National Committee at one point. All I know about Haley Barber is uh, I don't really care about him. He's got a goofy name, but it's funny to say Haley, especially because it's got a U in it, Barbar. I remember back in like 95, 96, uh, Talkers Magazine kept trying to push him as some guy that, ought to, that should have been given a, like a radio talk show. Because that, that, that's back when all you had to do to get a talk show was to be conservative, mm -hmm. which is still kind of the case now. Pretty much. I mean, it's, it's, I mean they're all cookie-cutter shows. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's not like it's abated that much, but, I mean, we have started to try. We've gotten back to our senses just a little bit. It's like maybe Mary Madeline and Oliver North don't need to be given microphones. But they were trying to give Haley Barber a talk show. And I remember at some point, a guy from, I won't say what, but there's a guy from, did I already say who did this? There was a, there was a, uh, there was an organization. I don't know if I just mentioned them or not, but there was an organization, a talk radio organization that was trying to give him a show. And they called me to ask my thoughts on it. And they sent me a tape of him. And it was just like the most unbelievably tedious. It was like listening to a pile of dirt. Uh, so anyway, so it's good to see that that didn't really work out for him. So the debate is still... So the University of Mississippi is still going with the debate. Yes. Obama is still going with the debate. McCain, eh? Is this so he can just? Is this so he can do like Sting in the WWE or whatever, and just like rappel down from the ceiling at the last? But I'm here, just kicking the window like Bruce Willis at the end of the player. Well, I heard one prognostication saying this is so they can move up the debate to cancel the vice presidential debate because they don't want that lady. From Alaska to be trounced. I was making this observation last night. Uh, is that uh, where I heard it? I maybe Tim. Well, you no, because you weren't at my house. But I mean, maybe it was in the ether. Maybe I said it and it went through the air. Maybe uh, you know, we have some sort of psychic connection, like in that uh, brainstorm movie. No, I said last night that this is they want to, and this is before I knew it was true, by the way, that they wanted to cancel the or the presidential debate so they could move it to next week, so they could bump Sarah Palin entirely, because she's the only thing in terms of revenue and buzz. She's it, man. And I, and I don't mean that as a knock. It just, I mean, it, I guess in a way it's a credit to her. She's the only thing bringing in money and supporters to the Republicans for this election. I'm not saying she's the only thing. It's not like the Republican Party rises and falls on her. But in terms of this election, she's the only thing they got going. And they do not want to see her destroyed on television, which she almost certainly would be uh, or will be. Just And, and I'm, not saying she, I'm not even saying she's not smart. I don't think she is, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying she's not a good debater. Just based, look, if you can't handle a question from Katie Couric, being interviewed by Katie Couric is like being interviewed by Normal from the uh, Garfield comic strip. If you can't handle being interviewed by a, a newswoman who is essentially that snuggles teddy bear, really, Joe Biden's going to come. He's going to make a little tiny mincemeat out of you. So they do not want that to happen because if they lose her, they are done. They will. Ne if she bombs it in the debate, they will never get another dollar. And people will close up their pocketbooks, and they will say, better luck in four years. And that's it. All right, here's Tim Riley. So we'll get back here in just a minute. But first, uh, let's see. Oh, you know where Ms. Palin was today? She uh, visited Ground Zero in New York City. I wish every American would come through here. I wish every world leader would come through here and understand what it is that took place here. Wait, I'm unclear. I was a fuzzy this whole time on what took place there. It was paying her respect no, 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 no. at Ground Zero. No, 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 I'm trying to remember. No, it'll come to me. Maybe I can call her later and ask her. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, this is Mike. Yes, hello. I'm calling in regards to the Zeppelin uh, riff yes, earlier sir. lyrics. Yes. And uh, in regards to uh, Way, Way Deep Inside. I'm sorry? I don't know what we're talking about right now. Uh, in regards to the Zeppelin uh scenario for the uh, tickets okay so each day this week except for tomorrow 
We are going to be giving away a pair of uh, Robert Plant and Allison Krauss tickets, and you got to spot. Uh, you got to be caller number five and spot it when I use some Zeppelin lyrics in conversation. Are you saying I did that earlier? Yes, when you were going through the Britney rant. What was the? What did I say? Well, what I heard was in your <clears throat> Britney rant was the words "way, way deep inside" of the uh, "whole lot of love." You're, song. you're referencing "whole lot of love." Um, well, A, I'm not conscious that I did that. B, technically, I think that you're reading the lyric incorrectly. It's not way, way deep inside. I don't think he says that. And uh, see, and, and, and please, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bust on you. I just want to make sure that I didn't inadvertently do that. Richie, did we have anybody else call about that? No. <laughs> Richie doesn't want to be bothered today. So um, he's too well, busy on his uh, MySpace. Well, my apologies, sir. Uh, in the words of a great philosopher, that is a close but no cigar kind of a thing. That was, uh, and any uh, resemblance or similarity to actual Zeppelin lyrics was totally unintentional. There. Cool. All right. Sorry to dash your hopes, my friend. Hey, man. Best show ever. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Uh, here's Tim Riley. David Letterman feels a bit stood up, and he isn't shy about letting his viewers know about it. John McCain was scheduled to appear on Letterman's show last night, but called in at the last minute to say he suspended his campaign, and therefore he would have to return to Washington and deal with the economic crisis. Letterman calls foul. We're suspending the campaign. Or are we suspending it because there's an economic crisis or because the poll numbers are sliding? <laughs> Letterman China McCain for not having a backup plan to send Vice Presidential nominee Sarah Palin instead. He can't run the campaign because the economy is about to crater. Fine, you put in your second string quarterback. Well, where is our second string quarterback? This doesn't smell right. You know, this just doesn't smell right because this is not the way a tested hero behaves. So somebody's putting something in his Metamucil. Now, do you have the whole nine minutes? I do. It's posted on my uh, website, RileyLive.com. Go to RileyLive.com. Have you watched it, Sarah? I did indeed. I did this morning. There's a nine-minute, basically, a greatest hits. They distilled down Letterman last night. Boy, Letterman just savaged him. Yeah. I mean, Letterman, and you know what? Letterman did it exactly the right way. He didn't do it the Oberman way. Uh, and, you know, and he had you know, Oberman on. Yeah, he did. And you know, don't get me wrong. Keith Oberman's very good at what he does. Letterman, though, man, he showed, Letterman showed why he is an icon and why Leno is a hack. And just because Letterman did it with, it was funny, smile on his face, but that there is no mistaking that cranky curmudgeon tone that Letterman does, I think, better than anyone else on television. Probably, maybe better than anyone else in broadcasting. I mean, it's people who can scream and rant and be funny and tell jokes and whatever. No one, I would say, in contemporary American broadcasting does curmudgeon better than Letterman. And... That sequence when, I mean, you really need to go watch this. It's at RileyLive.com. Basically, they've basically taken all of the moments uh, from last night's Letterman thing uh, where he was, you know, reaming McCain for not showing up. Um, you can see him at RileyLive.com. They're all put into about a nine-minute YouTube video. And there was, because McCain's like, well, I don't have time. i got to go fix things. And then they cut over to the CBS studios where he's getting his, getting his makeup on with Katie Couric. Yeah, having his makeup applied to talk to Katie Couric for what I'm sure was going to be like a really hard-hitting interrogation. And Letterman was just, man, it was like, do you, do you need a car? you want me to come over? Uh, he was really, really good and really biting and cutting. And I, not like everybody doesn't already have their mind made up in this election, because they likely do. But that is the sort of thing, that nine minutes of Letterman going after McCain, that is traditionally, and maybe it's different now because of the media and the Internet and the whatever, that is the sort of thing that can make or break a politician. That's the sort of thing that can ruin your career. You know, if a guy, if a comedian takes you on that way and just, because Letterman just very casually, but with malice in his heart, he just deconstructed McCain 
and took his pants down on television for nine minutes. And who wants to see that? No, no one wants to see it. Um, did you also, let's see if I can, um, I, there's another, there's another little uh, moment from last night's, uh, oh, there, there are several, there's like nine minutes worth. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to find it here. What, uh, let's see, uh, what are we, uh, what are we doing here? Hi, you're, uh, hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hey, Rick, what's up? What do you got? Uh, that guy was, uh, actually referencing way, way down inside, not deep inside. I think, I think the caller was correct. Uh, really? See, it's all very, I, I don't know, it, you know, and everything I say is just such a torrent of verbiage. I don't even, or verbiage. No, uh, you're right. He was misreading it. It's way, way down inside, not deep inside. Yeah, yeah, and it's, unless he's referencing some live version or something or whatever. But uh, no, 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 it'll be, uh, when when I use the Zeppelin lyric, it'll be uh, it'll be accurate and it'll be woven into the thread at some point. Yeah, so. anyways, uh, David Copperfield, do you remember when he walked through the Great Wall of China? I do. I do remember that. I videotaped that and I used to watch it. Uh, that was when I was, I don't know, maybe... 12, 13, and I used to watch it over and over again trying to figure out how he did it, and I figured out part of the trick by watching it like a million times, never figured out the rest. Did they go underground maybe? Or... I First don't... of all, it was totally stupid. Even at, I, mean, I was thinking that, and I was, I was thinking, it's two boots. You can't even see him go in there. Totally, totally. Uh, I mean, if, if you don't remember seeing this, so David Copperfield did this gag where he was going to walk through the Great Wall of China. And it's the big, you know, it's the whole thing they do with magic on television, or they used to anyway. It was like 90 minutes of setup and like... The history of the great is probably a TiVo, so you had to. Right. Let's talk about the history of the. Here's the first brick being laid. Here's the second. We're going to take you through every brick in the Great Wall of China until he. And then in the last five minutes, he does the trick. And they put basically a white sort of a. I don't know. It's curtain. like. Yeah, white curtain basically on either side, almost like a little like a, like a little ad hoc changing room on either, yeah. on either side of the wall. So he goes in and you just see his silhouette. You don't get to see him. And then you see his silhouette on the other side as he, quote, appears through the wall and all the only thing i was ever able to spot about how he did that was when he came out the other side of the great wall of china they had like a big piece of stretchy white plastic over the wall and you could purportedly see his hands pressing as he was trying to fight his way through the wall to get out and if you look really closely the guys who were holding up that piece of plastic it was just their arms stuck behind there and they were doing the pressing but i never figured out the rest but then i realized i don't care yeah, me neither. Yeah, I used to work with Adam the Great at Billy Reed's. He is. He's great. I dig that guy. He's fantastic. Didn't he end up going overseas, too? Uh, I think so, because he has, this sounds like a made-up thing, but I swear to God, raised by a family of magicians. So, and I think they are from, from elsewhere, so. Just like a pack of wolves. That's what I'm saying. Thank you, my friend. Uh-huh. Here's Tim Riley. I don't know what that was about. I don't know either. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about this interview on the CBS Evening News with Katie Couric. And uh, Sarah Palin, we have a couple of sound bites here. Let's see if this this is worthwhile. The Alaskan governor said we are risking a financial emergency without action. Not necessarily this, as it's been proposed, has to pass, or we're going to find ourselves in another Great Depression. But there has got to be action taken, bipartisan effort. Uh, she says bipartisan action is needed to solve this economic mess. Congress, not pointing fingers at this point at, at one another, but um, uh, finding the solution to this, uh, taking action, and being serious about the reforms on Wall Street that are needed. Is that earth-shattering to anyone? She needs to say taking action more often. 
Uh, Senator Obama is going to Washington to help on the rescue plan, and then he's heading to Mississippi for the debate. The American people, I believe, deserve to hear directly from myself and Senator McCain about how we intend to lead our country. The times are too serious to put our campaign on hold or to ignore the full range of issues that the next president will face. Well, here's a dumb question. Does Obama need to be going to Washington either? I mean, what is, what is he going to be doing there? I mean, neither of them are working like the plan. I mean, I guess the plan is that they've reached this agreement, but I mean, not like either of them were authoring the plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, they well, didn't well, really. Technical, need... Technically, they're senators. Well, they're senators and they have to vote, but when they were, but they both announced like two days ago that they were going to go to Washington, which at that point was completely unnecessary for both of them because mm-hmm. there was there was like nothing to do because there was a bunch of guys like way smarter than any of us sitting in a room. Uh, you know, there was a bunch of Gringotts goblins all sitting around the table and they're going, how are we going to get ourselves out of this deal? Jesus, we're all so screwed. What are we going to do? Uh, I mean, that was, you know, so for McCain or Obama to go, there was just pointless. There was a lot of thumb twiddling and posturing until they have to actually vote on something. Well, I do have some good news for the really? people of Flint, Michigan. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> is the, <laughs> really? Yes, really. Let me ask you this. Does it involve meat or pets? No, it does not. Does it involve the town actually being raised to the ground and then perhaps recreated altogether? No, this is about good old-fashioned honest work. Okay. Brought about by General Motors. They have announced the construction of a new $350 million engine plant. They're going to make four-cylinder engines for the new Chevy Cruze. This is a car which is spelled, this is the first I've seen of this, C-R-U-Z-E, Chevy Cruze. And uh, let's see. They'll also make uh, gasoline engines to supply power to Chevy's new electric car, the Volt. Then why does it need a gasoline engine if it's an electric car? So maybe it is a hybrid. No one knows. Anyway, uh, GM CEO Rick Wagner said the new four-cylinder plant in Flint is a good move for everyone. In today's world of higher oil prices and heightened environmental concern, it's essential that GM respond proactively and aggressively to America's demand for new, more fuel-efficient vehicles. Mm -hmm. This makes Flint the car maker of the future. This will be one of the places you will be one of the teams that help GM lead into our second century. You will love our new spark. Did you see that thing last night that General Motors, this is a frightening thing. Oh, they want uh, $25 million. But you know why specifically? This is a a terrifying thought. I mean, because General Motors at one point... Mm. I have been this for some time, but at one point when General Motors, I mean, they were the they were the bluest of the blue chips in some way. Yeah. I mean, they, they were the largest corporation in America, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they were they were later surpassed by IBM and then by Microsoft. But you know, but but GM, I mean, general even the name sounds huge. General Motors, uh, you know, it's just, it, it, even even those two words put together, they conjure this image of a massive, monolithic unshakable company the reason why general motors needs 25 what is it billion or million or billion billion the reason why general motors needs 20 they their credit line is maxed out mm-hmm. i swear to god that's the reason uh ali vishi i think isn't it bilshi who's yeah. one of the uh the economic advisors or the economic reporters on anderson cooper last night he's like well the thing is that general motors just don't have any credit left they're, they're all maxed out on their credit which is a thing that, on the one hand is sort of perversely funny because you because you picture roger smith or whoever kind of going through us how about this one is it all right, hold on. Discover, do you take... All right, um, well, we got to get this factory open. Diners Club? Players Club? All right, nothing. Be, but, you know, on the other hand, you think General Motors can't get any credit from anyone. Like, no one will extend credit to the largest automotive manufacturer on the planet, which is a little disconcerting, I would say, but, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, and to make everyone feel just a little bit better, T. Boone Pickens, the zillionaire, admits... His energy uh, company lost a billion dollars. 
Only a billion. Only a billion. Let's see if I can get this a little bit. Uh, let's see if I can get this to play over here. Let me turn on my uh, and so forth. And there's a long, a long build it to a tiny thing. But let me tell you something. This is why we. Wow. This is why we love that man. We love the guy. Yeah. I'll right. tell you. If I was in a prison cab and they sure. said to me, "Your time is up," and I would say, they, "Well, does Dave get to go home?" Right. They right. would say, no. "No, no, no." It's before this. And the North Vietnamese come to him and say, "Well, guess what? Your time's up." And he said, well, does everybody get to go home? And they said, no. And he said, well, I'm not going home till everybody gets ah, home. Now it's actually not here. Okay, this is a different clip than the one I was looking at this morning. It, and it, I'm, not, I'm just going to go ahead and give it away. So there's, they're talking about the economy. And Letterman said, well, if we don't do this, the economy's going to crater. And then Paul Schaefer says, crater? Mm-hmm. I, I barely knew her. her. Yeah. So I'm not on the show, so oh, I know he listened. So there you go. All right, here's Tim Riley. Local news. Stateline Bremerton. Molly the Chihuahua's back home. Thanks to a microchip and some meth. Molly went missing last September. A microchip and some meth? Yeah, that's correct. Her owner, Kathy, said she was taken out of her front yard. Uh, Kathy got Molly because her husband was terminally ill and wanted a chihuahua with attitude. Uh, He died with Molly on his lap. So uh, Kathy got a phone call from a vet after a man brought in a chihuahua because it was vomiting. The veterinarian said both the man and the dog looked like they had taken some methamphetamine. How would you know that a dog... What does that mean when you say the dog looks like it's taken some methamphetamine? I don't know. Is the dog stealing the silverware and hooking up with uh, some skeezy guy in a downtown shanty? Well, this happened in Bremerton, so anything goes there. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> That's true. Isn't that right, Sarah? The staff scanned the dog and found a microchip that identified the dog as Molly and Kathy as the real owner. So now... Molly the Chihuahua is back home in Framberton, where she belongs. I know my name is Molly. The History Channel is in Oregon to do a little documentary on one of our most uh, famous inventions, the Tater Tot. Now, I thought the Tater Tot was from Idaho. Maybe I've just been brainwashed to think that because Idaho potatoes, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're taking credit for it. Uh, History Channel is visiting Ontario, which is in Oregon. This is part of a modern Marvel segment to find out where Tater Tots actually came from. First of all, I love that Modern Marvel show. Do you watch that? I do. Modern Marvels is great. That one on coffee is especially wonderful. So uh, they went to see how kettle chips were made in Salem. They spoke to Larry Zuckerman, the author of How the Humble Spud Changed the Western World. They also visited uh, pinball factories, vending machine factories, and whiskey distilleries. But Friday, her gaze was on the Ontario plant as curly fries, crinkle cut fries, and Tater Tots zoomed on conveyor belts. And so uh, apparently the inventor is Orida. I was just, I actually was, I was actually just going to say the Orida company, and of course Orida is that is a contraction or whatever with two of Oregon and Idaho. So we get, so, so we get top billing. Yeah, all right in your face, Idaho. There you go. Well, good. So we invented the tater tot in Oregon. Yeah. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. All right, one more thing to be proud of. Let's do one more. We'll take a break. Get back on track here. Follow up. Bed bugs are creeping into the OHSU medical school. These are apple seed size insects. They were found last weekend crawling from a fanny pack that was stored for safekeeping with other patients' belongings for about two weeks. Uh, apparently, uh, bed bugs are wingless red-brown insects. They hide in cracks in uh, furniture walls and walls and emerge at night to suck people's blood, leaving small clusters of extremely itchy red welts. Fanny pack full of blood, full of bed bugs. Mm-hmm. You know what would be worse? They ought to have something actually called a blood bug. Yeah. That's something to haunt your dreams. Hey, you know, I hate the traffic and, and rumor and ill-founded gossip. But it's so much fun. Yes, it is. So I only say this because, as Tom Likas always says, you know, if he gets 100 emails about something, he will talk about it. doesn't matter what it is. 
It could be a whole discussion about naval lint. Doesn't matter. A hundred people email him a story. He will discuss it. I have gotten probably every, I don't know, probably every five minutes today, I have gotten an email from someone asking me if John McCain had a stroke. Have you heard anything about that? I'm not saying he did. No. But I'm saying, have you had anybody asking you that or bringing it up? That sounds like an Internet rumor. I'm, well, no. That's why, I'm, that's why I gave a sort of caveat. I gave a little preamble there that I'm not saying it's true and it is ill-founded gossip and unsubstantiated rumor. All I'm saying is, about every five minutes, I'm get, I just got another one right here. Uh, let's see. Did I... Um, uh, let's see. Right here. This is the latest one. It just came out like two minutes ago. Uh, hey, I heard somebody talking today about how McCain looks like he's had a stroke or something. I haven't seen the video they were referencing, but they said the entire left side of his body was an issue, his mouth and his eye being the most prominent. And apparently it was a recent change uh, with the left side. But again, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just telling you that I got a whole rash of emails this morning about it, people asking me, as though I would know somehow. Uh, like I'm like I'm his uh, ear, eye, nose, throat, and circulation of the head specialist. Okay, so it's saying that a lot of people are speculating he had a stroke, but then it might be Bell's palsy or facial paralysis. That's a temporary condition, but does take some time to correct itself. Now, where does Bell's palsy come from? I mean, is that just a thing that you get, like from I don't know, holding a rusty nickel or something? I never heard the term before. I'm, I don't think I've ever heard of that, so I don't know what that is. I mean, let's be honest, he's 72, and things start to. I mean, look well, at Cindy, Cindy McCain had a stroke in 2004, but fully recovered. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Is uh, so, I mean, things start to fall apart in your body at a certain point. As my doctor told me, you're not getting any younger, Rick. And he's had cancer four times, which I think would take a little bit of that, would sap you a little bit. But I don't know, there's some sort of speculation. And so I'm certainly not saying it's true. It's just a thing people keep emailing me about today. So I don't know. Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. More from Tim Riley. Uh, later on, we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Uh, we will do uh, today top five Susan Reynolds' top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. Religious Nutcase Watch today. Uh, penis Watch today. Clown Watch today. It's all on the way. Plus your phone calls. Uh, Robert Plant tickets. Sports Night on DVD and all that. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. Susan Reynolds, top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. Uh, we'll grill another semifinalist uh, for the birth of a salesman contest. Penis watch coming up. Uh, religious nutcase watch. A truly disturbing clown watch. Let me just read this. It is the lunch hour. This is from, uh, let's see, where, where the hell is this from? This is from Tempe, Arizona. Two vehicles collided under Arizona State University's pedestrian bridge Monday evening after several students were caught drinking large amounts of milk and vomiting over the side into the traffic below. Higher learning. A car slowed down to avoid the falling vomit. <laughs> A car slowed down to avoid the falling vomit when another car slammed into the first car's bumper at 6 p.m., 
Several people received minor injuries. The 8 to 10 students conducted the prank have yet to be identified, and ASU police have been investigating the incident. Uh, they suspect that the ASU fraternity may be involved, but he could not confirm the name of the fraternity or whether the incident was the result of hazing. So again, key phrases here. Students were caught drinking large amounts of milk, uh, milk and vomiting over the side into the traffic below. A car slowed down to avoid the falling vomit. Here's Tim Riley. Well, that's what too much book learning and little common sense does. That's right. Hey, by the way, you know what the number one uh, Google trend is right now? What is it? The phrase McCain's left eye. Related searches, McCain stroke, McCain left eye, John McCain's left eye. What is up with McCain's eye? <laughs> How do you check that? I don't know. You go to, uh, let's see, you go to um, google.com slash trends. Uh, and I think they, they uh, here, so here we go. Here are the, uh, here are the, I'll just read this now. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> okay. So here are some of the, the things being searched for on Google Trends right now. Uh, so these are not necessarily the most searched things like in a history of whatever, but it's the, it's the thing being searched for right now. Uh, and, the, and they rate it on a scale, you know, the hotness scale. And by the way, the hotness scale of this search on Google is volcanic, according to Google. Uh, let's see. Letterman McCain, David Blaine, really? David Blaine. How about this phrase? Can I vote? Uh, Andy Kessler, Palin Couric, The Office, McCain Stroke, The Great Schlep. <laughs> and again, number one, McCain's left eye. Here's Tim Riley. Okay, so this is on the uh, Huffington Post. It says here, they also know, uh, something's wrong. Change, droop your puppy with McCain's left eye. Anyone else notice anything? I just searched Google a bit more and found references to the eye being droopy in April and May of this year as well. It seems to be intermittent. I didn't really notice that he had, uh, in other words, I'm not, and we're in no way saying that John McCain had a stroke. We are certainly. He has a droopy eye. That, that, I'm not saying he has a palsy. I'm not saying he's got a quiver, a twitch, a tingle, it's, you know, anything. I'm not saying any of that. I, I will say that last night, and I never even really thought about it, last night it just looked to me like he was doing a Popeye squint the whole time. Like he was up there standing behind. I kept coming. I'm gonna go to Washington. He was. He had that one, like the like the one eye was sort of half closed. But I sort of figured it was, you know, kind of like when you, you sort of that Chuck Yeager thing. You're gonna close close one of your eyes halfway because you're, and then you kind of you know tilt your head a little bit when you talk because you're you're just talking straight to the people, you know. Because you know I I flew planes in the war and uh, you know now I'm here and I'm trying to uh, trying to fly the economy for the American people and just uh, do the things that need to be done. And then you go like uh, you put on some boots and chew some straw. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, what's up? What's up? This is Steven Nakoof. Hey, Hello, uh, some dippy lady on the 80s station on XM Radio is piggybacking on your top five ideas. Uh, how so? Well, well, nobody will hear it anyway. <laughs> That's true. I mean, yeah, listen I just, while you can. Yeah, I just accidentally stumbled across it. But uh, she did the uh, top five, uh, she called them the spelling bee songs, you know, songs that have something spelled out in them. Really? When did this happen? Oh, about a half hour ago. Well, I'm glad we can do the show prep for not only FM radio stations, but the failing debacle known as satellite radio. Got the songs well. if you want to hear them. Is it going to make me angry, er? I doubt it. All right, know. what are the songs? Hall and Oates, Method of Love. Okay. Janet Jackson, Miss You Much. Oh, M I S S U Much. Damn. Yep. All right, yeah. John Mellencamp, R O C K in the USA. Very good. I almost used that one myself. Train wreck, cameo, word up. Yeah. And Men Without Hats, the safety dance. Safety dance. You know, there ought to be a hard rock version of the safety dance. I wish somebody would do that. Yeah, All right. pretty good, too. All right. Well, thank you for scouting out the uh, alleged competition, sir. Yeah, right. <laughs> and thank Later. you so much, my friend. All right. There you go. Right, here's Tim Riley. So, uh, apparently, that's all over the Internet, also at America Blog and the Huffington Post. I'm getting all kinds of things about this. Well, as we speak, both McCain and Obama are being rushed to the White House to talk about this bailout plan. Or at least they're going to see it. 
So we'll find out more about that later. Vandals cost a home builder thousands of dollars after they sliced through wires and stole windows at a home under construction in Gresham. A construction uh, business fellow who's been at it for 15 years says it's the first time he's dealt with vandalism at one of his projects. Four windows have been stolen. They cut dozens of wires and left unfinished walls at this home. And some, why should I give it? A, there's nothing there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. Move along. Enough of the story. Area businesses are being fooled into taking something like $12,000 in fake checks circulating in parts of the Salem area. The suspects have passed out at least 50 checks since the first of the month. So far, one person has been arrested after he walked into Big Shot's Bar and Grill and tried to use one of the fake checks. You suppose there are any actual Big Shots there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where the Hollywood stars (laughs) are. The, uh, that's where the upper crust of Oregon's elite. Uh, It seems like paper checks are a thing we ought to be done with, don't you think? I mean, why do people still take checks? Because a lot of old people still use them. Uh, so, well, you know, but, boy, how many things can you think of? That's the only reason they're around is because old people want them around. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to reach a point pretty soon where that's the only reason we have landlines is because your Aunt Biddy doesn't want to get rid of it. Uh, there's, there's a high percentage of the general public that does not have a landline. No, right? that is... That, including yours truly. Yeah, I don't have a landline. I haven't had one in years. I don't have a landline. Uh, you don't, Tim doesn't. Uh, Richie, do you have a landline? Nope. Yeah, so... Okay, so so Richie has a fax machine, but then but for a phone line he doesn't. So none of us on the show have. I mean, I haven't had a landline for years. None of us here do. I would imagine if you polled people under the age of, I don't know, I mean, but I, the, the older you get, the more you have. It's like the same people that get that that cell phone out of the old farmer's almanac that's like the big buttons and a dial tone or whatever. There's all kinds of stuff that I hate to be morbid. We're just gonna have to wait for a whole generation to take a dirt nap before we can get rid of it. It's just stuff that's just gonna be around forever. So uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello. Hi. I also do not have a landline. Good for you. Uh, but the reason why I was calling was I heard on another station in the cluster this morning mm-hmm. uh, a news report about a fellow who's being charged with assaulting a police officer. He farted towards the police officer. And oh, yeah. Yeah, somebody sent me that story this morning. We tend to stay away from stories of flatulence. Yeah. You, you, you don't fall. You're not susceptible to. Uh, that would be childish. <laughs> I'm sorry. Your your call is going at like three miles an hour here. Am I? I'm not oh, susceptible okay. to what? Oh uh, no no. I, never mind. If it's a three miles an hour, I better jump board. Okay. Good day. Bye now. All right. There you go. All right. Here's uh. uh what am I doing? All right. Here's Tim Riley. Vancouver police have rolled out their portable eye in the sky to catch criminals. This is a Skywatch observation tower. It kind of looks like a Wall-E. On a ladder. It really does. And it's put out there to watch Vancouverians. The tower then collapses back to transport it someplace else. The enclosed space on top of a tower protects officers from the elements. It includes camera mounts, powerful lights, radio equipment. It was purchased from an army surplus store in England for $14,000. <laughs> Brand new, it costs over six figures. Vancouver police are training community observers to sit in this thing all day and watch criminals in their own neighborhood. And so this is, uh, we, we, I think we talked about this last week, and we were comparing it to one of those, like, shark towers or whatever they have in mm-hmm. Florida, where you're supposed to sit up there when you see a big looming shadow getting ready to devour a five-year-old. You ring a bell or you blow a whistle or you do something or other. Yes. So this is going to be, now, this is in Vancouver. It's in Vancouver. It's now an operation. Can you hand that to me? It's like a guard tower or something. It's Wally on the ladder. And volunteers are going to be up there watching people. I do like the idea, by the way, that not only in Vancouver do you have to be really high up to see the criminals, which doesn't really seem like it's going to help a whole lot, 
Because, you know, it's just, and again, it's, it's going to be a bunch of old women up there who are taking a break from selling Avon decanters to one another with, you know, the sort of like opera glass things, calling in anybody they see wearing baggy trousers. And we all know that's true. And also the idea that you have to be up in the, there's like metal box that's, you know, that's suspended 500 feet off the ground so that you're not set upon by the criminals you're reporting. Skywatch. All right. Hey, let me ask you this. I'm looking at this description, the Skywatch Observation Tower. And they're doing, there's got to be a name for this, but I don't know what it is. Skywatch as one word, and the S and the W are capitalized. When did we start doing this thing in America where we take two words, merge them into one word, but leave the second word still capitalized? That is strange, isn't it? You know what I mean? We do that with a lot of stuff, and I'm not immune to that. I think we do that with, I think we do that with Rockfest, but I'm not sure. When did it become too much trouble to actually have a space there and to have things be two distinct words? Everything just started getting mashed together. No, well, if we're going to make it one word, should we should we change the capitalization? No, 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 just leave it. We fix it later. All right. By the, it cost over six figures, by the way. All right. Prospective trainees said they're looking forward to the time in the post. Uh, you know who's going to work in this? The people who are going to work in this are the same people in my neighborhood, and everybody, and every neighborhood has people like this, and it's always old women. It's always old women, and they look like that Maxine character from that comic strip. It's old women who sit there, and they must have some sort of a... It's like they must have some kind of like bat, like sonar, radar, or whatever it is that bats have. There's old women on your block who have this, because any time... It's like they have like the sixth, like they have the second sight or something. Anytime a car rolls down my street that does not belong to somebody who lives in the neighborhood, there is a woman who lives across the street from me immediately. Door doesn't open, it, the curtains get parted, and her face starts peering out. And she's looking up, going, Who is that? Uh, and there's another woman who holds down the opposite end of the block. So between the two of them, it's like they can cover the whole, the whole joint. Anytime anybody is standing on the street without moving for more than five seconds, like if it looks like they're going to linger, and I mean, to be fair, my truck has been stolen three times, so maybe there's some point to this, but anytime somebody who maybe doesn't look like they come from our neighborhood is walking down the street, immediately, windows parted, and there's, I won't use her name, but there's, you know, like Wanda looking at the front going, and then she narrows her eyes, and the curtain slams shut real fast, and you just know she's skittering over to the phone like some sort of angry elderly cockroach to call the man. So every every neighborhood has that woman. And then, like once out of every like five excursions outside to walk uh, Max, she will be out there with the other woman, and they're like comparing notes. You know, they're talking. And did you see that boy who was walking down the street yesterday? I've never seen him. I don't know if he's around here a lot, or maybe he's dating one of the girls in that apartment building, but. You know, I see a lot of cars come and go here late at night, and I just know they're doing drugs over there. And so, I mean, I just, you know, and you know, I try to help, and it's like people don't really appreciate the fact that I'm just looking out for my neighbors, which is what I want somebody, you know, to do for me. And he just, you know, he just, he just looks like he's just no good. And you know what I'm talking about when you look at him, and you can just sense that he is up to trouble. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just walking Max and keeping my head down and desperately hoping that I don't get sucked into this La Brea tar pit of a conversation. Here's Tim Riley. Senator McCann has just arrived at the White House for his meeting with the president. And Senator Obama. Now, I did have something uh, more about the debate here. Debate, 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 fate. There seem to be a lot of questions about tomorrow's presidential debate, whether or not it'll go on. Uh, the mayor there, Richard Haworth, said there are no plans to cancel. So that's all we know. Uh, let's see, we've got this. Rick, about flatulence calls and stories. You're right, they're not nearly as good as puking videos played on the radio. Best show ever, John. I don't know if that's sarcasm or if he's solidly in our camp on this. All right, here's another one. Uh, Rick, so farting jokes are beneath you, but barf humor is absolute. That is true, sir. That is an accurate assessment of the situation. 
Somebody call David, 8183, tell him the tornado's right over his house. Yeah, I've seen that. This thing is massive. Oh, my God. I was waiting for that microwave tower to go. Oh. Never did. Uh, plug it into a plug-in. Uh, anywhere, right? First plug-in you see. <laughs> you want that on tape? Oh. It is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Holy, oh my god, they're losing shingles now. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, Morgan, get downstairs. <laughs> oh, it never gets old. Hey, you know what we haven't played? Speaking of vomit, you know what we haven't played for the longest time is the tape of Richie vomiting downtown after drinking all that Cobra whiskey. Mm. Or he's like vomiting into a phone booth. And then, like, into the street, and then into the street again, and I think on somebody's shoes. I'll play that later on. You're listening to, uh, wait, hold on. Oh, I was going to, oh, you know, I was trying to be too, I was trying to be too clever by half. I was, you're listening to KCMD Portland. There you go. Here's Tim Riley. Somebody has stolen money from the Greyhounds. The bank account belonging to the Northwest well-known Greyhound Adoption Agency has been emptied. An insider has been arrested. Greyhound Pets of American Northwest announced they're all out of money. The former treasurer and longtime volunteer, Christy Van Newlin, has been arrested on two felony counts of aggravated theft. She volunteered for several years and served as treasurer from January 2008 to her resignation last May. Staffers conducted an unscheduled review of the financial records and found more than $20,000 was missing. So apparently it's a blow to every hardworking volunteer and even worse for the Greyhounds. New checks and balances have been ordered. Governor Kulinkowski has repealed scheduled 3.2% pay raises for Oregon's executive directors, calling, well, these recent economic events would make that a bad idea. The governor has studied the issue for economic indicators and predicted problems. The governor fully recognizes families are tightening their belts, and the state government needs to help as well. State union workers will still get a con uh, contract, 3.2% cost of living adjustment, November 1st. Yeah, that's more than most people are getting. And I was just going to say, that's a, that phrase, belt tightening, when you think about it, it's a little morbid. Because that just implies you're going to be starving because there's no food. Or there's flab hanging over your belt. Well, that probably, I guess it's uh, probably even odds on those, right, now that I, I think about it. It's not making your bones stick out. and Americans aren't down to skin and bones yet. They have a long way to go, and it wouldn't hurt a lot of people, really. So you think that we could do with some more belt tightening? And starving. I think so. All right. Well, okay, makes, then. It makes people more humble. You're right, Tim. It does. All right. Never mind, then. I retract the previous observation. Here's Tim Riley. Belt tightening, indeed. I mean, you're, you're downright sinister sometimes. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's what we love about you. But that's what I'm here for. Really, there are moments when I expect to look over and see you tying somebody to a railroad track and then twirling your mustache. All There's right. no railroad track close to here. All right. A publicity stunt... By an underdog in an election race, this happened in Bangkok, went badly wrong when her campaign manager drowned <laughs> as, sorry. As, they, sorry. as they bathed in the canal to highlight the plight of residents who have no access to water. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean... So, this uh, 32-year-old politician drowned as she and other staffers were showing journalists oh. the rashes they got from washing in the filthy water. <laughs> One of my staff saw him waving and crying for help, but we thought he was pretending. So we just walked away. <laughs> A few minutes later, he disappeared. We had to call the police to help come and find him. 
I'm sure the police were really, really eager to dive into a river that's so disgusting it gives you rashes. So, uh... <laughs> this, is, this is the only reason to suspend a campaign, and oh. and they've done so. Oh, man. Respect for the dead. See, don't get me wrong. This has been the best election ever in America so far. I mean, do I speak for everybody? Can you remember an election that was more entertaining than this one? It says here, the oh. politician said, if I continue to campaign after his death, I would be no better than an animal. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? I don't know. I love the idea, too, that they, that it's not that they went, first of all, they're highlight. I mean, you can, it's a little bit of stunt politicking, right? I mean, they say, look, every, these poor people have to bathe in this river, and it gives them the scabies. So we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we, we'll show you. It's sort of like a like a super size me kind of a thing. They're gonna, you know, show what the people go through. So they go into the river. They get the rash. I love the idea that the guy at one point is actually just wildly gesticulating. <laughs> it's a whole lot of that Bob. What an actor. He really did. He's internalizing I think that part. We're doing it. <laughs> He's a method actor, Tim. You not go that far. <laughs> uh, he's getting his De Niro you, you on there. Stop. Nobody's looking anymore. Maybe he was acting like Natalie Wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Natalie Wood! Oh, fine. Whatever. An upstate New York fire department smells rats after one of the rodents bit the nose of a sleeping firefighter. The acting mayor, John Diamond, said the firefighter awoke Saturday with a pain and saw blood and two little spike marks on his nose. The firefighter has been given a tetanus shot, antibiotics, and is back on the job. The fire station will be on a reduced schedule as an exterminator and state health official work to remedy the apparent rat infestation. Meanwhile, the state's sleeping and dining quarters have been closed. Hey, speaking of Natalie Woods, you see that story this morning that they're trying to reopen the investigation in Natalie Woods' death? Yeah. Didn't she get drunk and fall off a boat? Or pushed. Oh, I didn't know that. Do they think she might have been pushed? Yes. Now, is that they think that or is that Robert Wagner thinks that? Because he was, they were together, right? Correct. All right. So I wonder if that's a he doesn't. I don't think Robert Wagner thinks that. Well, but is that not? But, but I mean, like, what is, what evidence is there that she is she was pushed off a boat? Oh, I don't know. It's it, it's just you know troublemakers doing that. Really? What are you going to do tonight? Let's go push Natalie Wood off a boat. <laughs> Remember, kids, Wood floats sometimes. Here's Tim Riley. So a news story describing the successful launch of China's long-awaited space mission and including detailed dialogue between astronauts launched on the Internet even hours before the rocket had even left the ground. Wonderful. Good for them. The uh, country's news agency posted the article on its website and remained there much of the day before it was taken down. A staffer for the website who answered the phone said the posting of the article was a technical error by a technician. Uh-huh. Uh, the Shenzhou 7 mission, which will feature China's first-ever spacewalk, is set to launch at some time today. From Northwest China, the article dated uh, two days from now vividly describes the rocket in flight, <laughs> complete with a sharply detailed dialogue between the three astronauts. You know, the other technical glitch that's going to happen later is when those technicians are taken and shoved into a small cage filled with spikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that. You know, this this world is just it, uh, it, to say that it's just like a funhouse mirror of insanity. It, it, I mean, it really just does a disservice to funhouse mirrors. Um, all right. I was just, to go back on this thing about where was that where they dr- the guy drowned the campaign guy drowned Thailand or those other crazy oh man why would you ever go into a river in Thailand anyway mm-hmm. uh, you get the feeling that's a whole country that's just filled with like uh, skulls <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say heroin and heroin and roaches but skulls yes that and the sounds of Vince Vaughn being flogged uh, so ba 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 election back here so but do, can you remember Tim in your life. A more entertaining election than this one that we're in right now. No, people are actually interested. I mean, I can't. 
You know, and we all have different lengths of memories here. We all remember sort of different. Because, Sarah, the first one you really remember was Clinton. Was that right? Um, It was in 2000. So that's the first one you really remember. But, yeah, but I wasn't in the States at the time. I was living in London, so I didn't get to see all the brouhaha. Oh, here. so you had a different kind of – so you were oh, – wait, so you were you watching that whole recount debacle from England? Yeah. What so was it? What was that like? Um, I was basically the only person from the West Coast I'm at my school, which means everyone right. that I went to school with were rich and hardcore Republicans. Right. So everyone right. was for Bush. Like what, the, what was the general consent? Like, what did, like what was the country saying? saying? Was the country going like, oh, God. No, there's like a stupid American. That's, that's just what it was. Like, you didn't even want to say that you were American. <laughs> that was eight years ago. Really? It just, cause, yeah, because you just feel like a moron. You just watch them watch our country. And... Yeah. Well done, Yank. Uh, all right. So this, and I know that this sounds like such a, well, it is a cliche, but just that if you, you would not believe all of this stuff that has happened if you were to see it unfold on the West Wing, if you were to see it in a, in a movie. I mean, just, I mean, everything from like the moose hunting governor to, uh, you know, that thing of like Obama's setup in, in Denver, making it look like he was walking on water to McCain not showing up to the debate, to the, like a trillion dollar bailout that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, it just, it's just staggering. So, anyway, so today, it, what, it's Thursday. It's already 4 o'clock on the East Coast, and the debate is supposed to happen at 6 o'clock tomorrow, uh, Pacific time. So we are 20, whatever, 29 hours away. So we're 29 hours away from when the debate's supposed to happen, and McCain says he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Somebody made the. Somebody was suggesting that he might actually just walk in at the last moment, literally, like with his sleeves rolled up. Like, I've just come from doing the people's work. Oh, well, man, that will be all dramatic. <laughs> totally. No. See, but I could, I could, totally, they should, man, they should hire me. I could stage manage this. Man, I could give them some action. They, they could do the, uh, as I already said, Bruce Willis, the sort of, he should just repel in a window. Sorry I'm late. Traffic was a bitch. You know, and then he walks up to the podium and like, it's go time. Just big, broad, stupid gestures. That's what the American people loved him. Oh, listen to this. Two liberal groups, one of them directed by the brother of the Democratic Party chairman, Howard Dean, will be running a graphic attack advertisement beginning today, raising questions about John McCain's health, showing vivid and unflattering images of the fresh scar that appeared on his face immediately after his last operation. The commercial ends with a screen headline that reads, Why won't John McCain release his medical records? Wow. So this internet thing is that a five could be part of this? And is that like a five thirty seven group? One mm-hmm. of those groups that doesn't yeah. have to like. In other words, that's not an Obama ad. This is Brave New Pack. Yeah. And that's Howard Dean or Howard Dean's brother? Apparently, brother. It's a nonprofit organization that runs social issue campaigns. Hey. I just like how we've just lost more and more subtlety with every month, and in fact, with every election. But especially, it's like every week we're breaking horrible new ground. They spent fifty thousand dollars to show this spot. 35,000 of it coming from Democracy for America. Is John McCain's skull being held together by strips of Velcro? Is John McCain doomed? Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, it's time for Penis Watch. Here's your penis, speaking of doomed, here's your penis watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start to melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. This comes to us from Louisville, Kentucky. A man and his wife said two doctors amputated the man's penis without his permission. They filed a lawsuit. According to the suit, Philip Seaton went to have a circumcision last October. Seaton said when he woke up from the procedure, he realized his penis was missing. Naturally, he suffered some mental anguish over this. <laughs> And a bit of pain. Do you suppose that if you woke up and your penis was missing, 
Do you think you'd do that thing of like, you you, you know, you pull back the sheet and you, you wouldn't even really respond. You'd look and you kind of go, all right, very mm-hmm. funny. Well, and you'd sort of put the sheet back and then you pull it back up again real quickly and look. Yeah, and like try to maybe sort of like try to catch the penis like hiding, you know, just shh. no, okay. And then you might actually put the sheet back over your area and then just take a good long nap. And like, All right, let's not get ourselves in an uproar. I'm sure it's, it'll be back. It's just a virus of some kind. It, uh, I'll check back in like an hour. I mean, when he says he didn't give permission for his penis, who would ever give permission for their penis to be amputated? That's just stupid. And that implies that at some points in your life, you might consider giving permission for the removal of your penis. Maybe there's a form for that somewhere. Maybe. Check here. It's it's right next to it's right next to like check here if you'd like an extra bowl of applesauce in the morning. How do you know CBS doesn't have one? They have a form for everything. You know, else. I never read those terms and conditions on anything. Click here if you have read the CBS business contract statement. Sure, whatever. Click. You know, it's that thing where you have to drag the uh, whatever you have to drag the little bar all the way down to read through that whole contract of the term. I could have already given CBS permission to come and take my take my penis right now. I mean, really, for all I know. I just I just blindly sign all of that stuff and send it back to HR. So, so. you can go ask Dave Zim for one of the forms. I'm sure he knows where they are. Yeah, probably. He knows all things. And this uh, this poor individual has lost all enjoyment in his life. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Uh, how old is he? How old is he? Yeah. I'm looking here. I mean, he's an adult, right? He's, he's an going... adult, yes. Okay, well, going in to get circumcised. Okay, don't be a jackass. You don't Especially in Kentucky. I mean, really. I, I mean, yeah. If you decide as an adult to go get a Kentucky circumcision, and whatever happens to you is your own fault. Quit your bitching. There's your penis watch for Thursday. On Take the, uh... a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. Mamma mia, what happened to my penis? Uh, I think this is Jim Rubel. Get in for just uh, one moment. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. I said just a little off the top, please. Thank you, sir. Okay. Um, now, Skywatch, isn't that the organization that is watching out for the uh, pilots that, in World War Z? Mm, maybe. Maybe, because that's where What's-Her-Name gets shot down, and then she has to trek on foot through the thing, and then it's her own hallucination. Yeah, it's nice to see that they've started that up in Vancouver. All right, maybe they know they're something we war. don't know. Yeah. Right. Hey, Rick, one more thing. Oh, sorry. Bye. Thank you. So he was trying to be an ass and hang up on you, but he, he couldn't, couldn't even get it right. But was he, or was that like, was that the joke? That no. it was like a delayed... He couldn't pull it off. No, I don't think... Un- unfortunately, he seemed like a very nice boy, but not that hilarious. All right, and not that efficient on the hang-up either. I know. I know. Phones. With all are, them their buttons. It gets kind of confusing. Maybe he needs a big. Maybe he needs a big fat-fingered phone with a dial tone. Uh, here's Tim Riley. So there's a little Britney story. So I guess this is. Is a this Britney a Britney watch? watch? Here's your Britney watch for uh, Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. <laughs> So Brittany is now concentrating on her family and what a difference a year makes. Twelve months ago, she was a lost cause, a tragic figure. 
She lost custody of her two young sons in a blaze of flashbulbs and disastrous publicity. But the pop starlet has made a remarkable comeback in recent weeks. Of course, she was on the MTV Video Awards. Uh, she lost her excess weight, and now she's able to take her rehabilitation a step further. In a shocking new move, she and her ex-husband, Kevin Federline, are considering getting back together again. Now, is it where this is, is this? from the Inquirer? Okay, so there must be a shed of, of truth to this. Well, we're going to talk to uh, we're going to talk to uh, Dorothy Cassisari later on this hour, so we'll know. So they're undergoing couples counseling to rebuild their relationship in the hope they can raise their two sons as a family. Part of their therapy involves going on formal dates, and Brittany is so excited. Really? She's so never stopped loving Kevin. Is this the thing where he's so Kevin still loves Brittany too? I'm sorry, I kept waiting for a little piano music to come in underneath that or something. Uh, like a little, uh, uh, so they're going to start scheduling dates. Yes. You know, look, ah, uh, never mind. All I'm going to say is this. You know, when you're doing that stupid thing of like, uh, would you like to have marital relations? I can fit you in, uh, let's see. With, how about, uh, Friday at 5.20? And five minutes of foreplay, will that work for you? And then we will consummate the act. And then ten minutes of cuddling. And then, uh, then I can go watch Sports Center. If you're ever doing that, if you are a couple and you're having to get out your day planner and schedule either sex or dates or anything that, and if you ever start doing that, no, 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 we do, we're gonna go back, we're gonna recapture the magic. I'm gonna show up and bring you flowers and take you out to a movie. Just, it's over. Just put a fork, put a fork in it. That never works. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's your Britney watch for uh, Thursday. Possible upside would there be to Britney Spears to get back together with Kevin Federline? That's why I don't. That's for why. The children, for the children. For the children, indeed. Kids that's first. why. I'm sorry. Kids first. Well, that's why I think it must be a thing that the Federline people fed to the Inquirer. Uh-huh. I'm not saying the Inquirer is wrong. I'm sure that they are correct in the sense that mm-hmm. they were told this by the Federline camp. There's no way Britney Spears' dad signed off on that, and I think he's still running everything for her. Mm-hmm. All right. Did you just say wow? Yeah, I have a. Really surprised. Well, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. Well, let's do that, and then we'll talk to Jim Roop. Well, maybe Jim, we can segue into Jim Roop about this story because it comes to us from Sacramento. Then let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles, a living deity, James Roop. Hello, sir. Hey, hey, what are we, uh, what are we talking about out of Sacramento? Uh, Tim, what are we talking about out of Sacramento? Well, apparently, members of California's legislature enjoy a perk not available in any other state capital. Unchecked use of gasoline charge cards that stick taxpayers with a bill. Oh. Through the first seven months of the year, the California taxpayers have spent $220,000 to pay the gasoline charge of their, their lawmakers. This, according to a review just posted by the AP, this includes July when lawmakers already had passed their deadline to approve a budget, and the state faced a $15.2 billion deficit. Well, I'm glad I don't pay my taxes. <laughs> so... Uh, so that scene, you know what the great thing about that story is? Well, A, I don't live in California. And B, uh, that is the that is exactly the kind of story that can get somebody into office. You know what I mean? Because vote, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I am not that bright about most things. And people don't, you know, Americans don't understand most financial issues or the crises or the nuances of political discourse. And, you know, I certainly don't. But that is the kind of thing that voters understand. And that's the kind of thing a guy can get on television, ring that bell for six months and put himself into office. So they pull up to the pump, swipe the cart and never see the bill. 
It is sent directly to the Senate and Assembly Rules Committees. The taxpayers take it from there. So it is like some gasoline equivalent of the franking privilege enjoyed by Congress people. Yes. All right, then. What do you think of that, Jim Roop? I don't have any problem with that. Oh, well, there you go. I think that's wonderful. I think they don't get paid enough. And that anything we can do to make their lives easier... I'm okay with that. Maybe you ought to go by and offer give him a little window washing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe go by, give the wife a foot rub. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, okay, so well, two things. One, we'll get to your favorite. We'll get to your favorite four syllables here in just a moment. All right. Uh, but yesterday, a little, I mean, a little snafu with the scheduling and the calling or the uh, the Mahoygan or the whatever. Yeah, I was wondering what happened when you, I didn't get a request yesterday. Uh, really? So the request was the request was not passed along to you? I didn't get anything. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll look into that. So for whatever reason, I think we did request, but uh, I guess it uh, got things lost. Do, in... Things do happen, not very often, but they do. Yeah, it got lost in translation somehow yesterday. So um, uh, what was I going to say? Mm, uh, oh, yeah. So is this in California where you, I mean, I mean you, uh, but y- y'all are taking time out of your busy schedule to pass legislation about sagging pants? Well, they're trying to. In the city of Gardena, you know, that beautiful garden spot of Southern California, uh, the one city councilman there is sick and tired of seeing people's underwear, so he wanted to um, make saggy pants a citable offense. Not necessarily put you in jail, but, you know, give you a ticket. When you hear about people doing things like this, taking government time to try to pass fashion laws, does it just kind of put your brain into slow gear? You wonder there must not be going anything going on in that city. Yeah, I mean that's here's my thing about that. Whenever I read about a city, and I these do seem to happen a lot in the South, but whenever I read about a city where they're going to take time to outlaw like dildos or sagging pants, I say to myself, that's a city where I want to live because clearly there's like no real problems there, right? Yeah. Like everything else must be taken care of. Otherwise, why do you care what a guy's covering his ass with? So if you are worried about that, it means that you got everything else licked, and that's a city that's running like clockwork. Well, there you go. That's when you want to move. To, so you're going to move to Gardena, right? Yeah, so that's it's the canary in the coal mine in sort there of a reverse go. sense. Um, all right, so Orenthal James Simpson. Yeah, you know, i got to tell you, I think this this guy might walk, man. Oh, uh, well, of course he's going to walk. I'm are, you, are you high? He's, you know, he's I, OJ. You know, I, I just love watching Yale Galanter cross-examine. He is so good at... Reasonable doubt. He's so good at discrediting witnesses. I mean, it's not hard in this case, really. Right. Well, they're all scum. Oh, man. But he is so good. And even skirting court rules. I mean, he's real good at just enough. And he's really making his point. And I think he's making the judge look pretty bad in many respects because she's allowing things to happen that I don't know why or how, but she's doing it. And it, and he is so good at that, I, I think. You know, I mean, out of out of everything they have, they still can't put a gun in Simpson's hand. They can't put Simpson say anything in a, about a gun on any tape before, during, or after the event. They could put him in the room, guilty by association, but that's about it. You know, he, he it's it's just it's crazy. Was there was there something on tape somewhere where the cops were saying that they were going to get OJ? Well, I think they were civil employees, uh, you know, crime scene folks that were in there. And, right. You know, they made in a comment like, well, they didn't get him in California, but we'll get him here. Well, here's the issue. They, you know, if they're so meticulous and so good at combing for evidence in that hotel room, then how did they miss that recorder that was sitting on top of the armoire? How did they miss that? And if they missed that, could Simpson miss seeing guns that were in the room? Well, yeah. 
If the cops can miss that, combing that place for evidence. I, I, I mean, some of the stuff I just can't believe is going on. And it's like, let's just end this thing now. Uh, that's, you know, it's funny. Let's give Simpson a ride home. <laughs> And just all head south from there. It's uh, Dennis Miller does the morning show here. Does he actually made a comment, almost word for like two days ago, almost word for word? And he was he was watching, he was reading some story about it, and about halfway through, he just started chuckling, and he kind of just put the story down, and he just said, "So like, can we just skip to the bottom of the page and just let him go? Like, we all know that's what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, he is, uh, as as the mayor of Sunnydale once said, he is impervious, it seems. So, you know, and, and these witnesses, my gosh. <laughs> You know, I feel bad for David Roger, the DA. And right. He has a great conviction record, but he's he's flushing himself on this one. I mean, he's swirling around the bowl right now. Something's <laughs> going to have to happen. Something's going to have to happen that changes the direction dramatically here. Uh, and I don't, I, I can't see any witness that may be coming up that's going to do that. Short of O.J. Simpson taking the stand and blowing up. Do you feel like yeah. at, at some point uh, O.J. is just going to become that guy? He's going to be like some sort of legal typhoid Mary, where I mean, you walk by and just see him kicking in the front window of a jewelry store, and you'll be like, screw it, I'm not, I'm not. Why even bother? Just let him go. Just let him do it. I just hope when he's acquitted. He's going to talk. I just hope he's going to stand in front of those microphones and just let us have it. I really can't wait to fire a couple of questions at him. It's just going to be fantastic. And I'm not, and it just looks to me right now, and I, I, I wouldn't have said this two weeks ago when it started, but it looks to me right now like I, I see reasonable doubt, and, and that's all the jury needs to, uh, to, to acquit. Let me ask you this. Uh, what if I gave you, what if you could get a, sort of a live network television interview with O.J. Simpson you and him, two chairs facing each other in a room. You can ask him anything you want, except the door is locked for three hours and no one will come to help you if he goes crazy. I'd do it still. Really? Good yeah. for you. And that's what I'm I'd talking about. Kick him where it counts if he ever attacked That's what I mean. He's probably got bad knees, too. Oh, yeah, I could probably. All those guys. You go right for the hip. He's nothing. No, I, I would definitely take that chance. All right. Who would you rather interview for a law? Let me, okay, wait. No, no, no. Let me ask you this. It's just a theoretical sort of, this is the kind of question that uh, you just stay up all night asking these questions. All right. If you could interview one person, I'm not going to say like in the history of whatever, because everybody says Jesus. Uh, if you could interview one American historical figure from the last, let's say, 100 years, round it off, you know. Last 100 years, you could interview one American historical figure, and he was guaranteed for 10 minutes to tell you the truth. Some guy who was in the news within the last century, you put him in a room, you get 10 minutes, and in that 10 minutes, he is guaranteed, there's a magic wand, he will tell you the truth. A hundred years. Yeah. That's a lot, man. I mean, that's it's just scores of folk. Um, See, because I think of Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, but I mean, but there's a, there's a million of those guys. Well, yeah. Um, You know, I'm thinking that's the guy, probably. Yeah, I mean, because you could say O.J., but really, what's, again, what's yeah, the point? Yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> I mean, who cares? He wrote a book about it. Yeah. Yes, I killed her, and I'd do it again. You, know, and I, you know, I hate to say this, and I don't mean any disrespect, but she wasn't the president. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there you go. Um, no, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I, I think maybe, maybe Lee Harvey Oswald... If I could only pick one. All right. Well, there you go. See, no, I would totally. Uh, I would. That's. I, I would totally agree with that. that I think he'd be my first choice. I can't think of anything anybody better than him. No, because anybody else, I wouldn't care about what it is they did. Well, and, and anybody else, you just don't. I mean, 
If I could, I guess, you know, knowing me, I might... have that much impact with anybody else. If I could somehow magically make him appear in the room, I guess, knowing me, I might pick D.B. Cooper. Uh, but even then, I guess, theoretically, you would only maybe get him pre-death or something. Nah, I don't know. Now I, the rules are all shifting in my head, because then I still wouldn't answer the question of what happened to him. So I guess, yeah, that's a Lee Harvey Oswald, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Hey, by the way, just to, just to dovetail back to this election for a second, because it's just... You know, I... I made a comment like this yesterday about the economy. I said, you know, if you told me a month ago we'd be talking about the economy a lot because it's what people were caring about, I would have thought you were high. Because uh, normally it's all just like Britney and vomit here. But now it's become not only the economy but the election, and it's like that's about 80% of what people are talking about. I didn't get a chance to watch much of Bill Clinton last night, I guess. Was he on Larry King, Tim? Is that where he was? Yes, he was. He was on Larry King. Did you happen to watch that by chance? Uh, no. I didn't either. And I, I missed it. My wife was, my so funny, my wife was uh, watching CNN all night. She's just, she's now, see, she's sucked into the same maelstrom that pulls me in every four years. <laughs> you know, and every, when the election's over, I'm like, oh, that's it, called Turkey. I'm not watching any more political uh -huh. coverage. Yeah. And then every four years, it's like you get that, you know, you get the little, little tick or whatever in your head, and you, there I am watching Anderson Cooper for nine hours. But, so she's watching Bush last night give his speech. And there was nobody else around at home, and all her friends were gone. So she would call me every 90 seconds to scream profanities over the phone at me about Bush. And then she would just hang up the phone. But then she was watching Larry King, and I guess Bill Clinton was on there. My wife made the funniest statement when I get when I got home, and I I didn't see it. But she, I walk in the front door, not hello, not it was our anniversary, not happy anniversary, not, you know, how was your day, Rick? First words out of my wife's mouth when I walk in the front door, Laura looks at me and she goes, I think Bill Clinton likes Sarah Palin in a dirty way. <laughs> and I said, really? And she goes, I was just watching him talk about Sarah Palin on Larry King. He likes her in a nasty, nasty way. And then she went back to watching TV, and that was it. So. Well, that's something. Yes, it is something. All right, brother, you on tomorrow? Yes, sir. All right. Well, uh, as Les Nesman used to say, may the good news be yours. Enjoy your afternoon. Uh, thank you so All much. Right, thank you. There you go. That's Jim Rope. Hello, Tim Riley. So President Bush says his hope is that negotiations can reach an agreement very shortly. I thought we reached an agreement. Bailout. I know, but he's making it even very shortlier. All right. Uh, so uh, somebody's now saying, all right, I'm just going to read this. Um, Robert Wagner has a new book out, explains what he thinks happened to Natalie Wood the night of her death. By the way, you want to talk about a girl who was just scorchingly hot. Boy, just unbelievably beautiful she was. Yes. Uh, explains what he thinks happened to Natalie the night of her death. Basically, a drunk Natalie went to bed too early on the yacht, or I'm sorry, went to bed early on the yacht, drunk, then got up to try to retie the dinghy, which is the small little boat, that was banging on the side of the yacht and waking her up. Uh, she then apparently banged her head and fell in the water. The rest is controversy. Well, who knows? I mean, it seems like there was probably nobody there. It was just her. So. I was reading on Wikipedia that uh, said that a neighbor heard her screaming for help, and somebody else said, oh, well, I'm, I'm coming. I'll take care of it. I'm going to come help you, and then that's it. And then really? Then. Did he talk like this? I'm sorry. That was me. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, one more thing. Oh, really? It's just, wait, hold on. For NPR, comes from the Soylent Corporation, manufacturing protein-rich food products in a variety of colors. Soylent Green is people. Okay. That's what that was. Okay. Thanks so much. All right, there you go. I think that was an attempt to write a previous wrong. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Holy crap, it's me. Yes, it is. Hello, sir. Yeah, I think you unintentionally coined a phrase uh, a while back. Which is? Kentucky circumcision. Is there going to be the side project of pitchfork abortion? <laughs> you don't pay this loan, I'm going to give you a Kentucky soup circumcision. Yeah, it'd, be like, it'd be like wearing New Jersey shoes. Indeed. All right, thank you, sir. Best show today. Thank you. Thank you. Uh... Yeah, they'll be playing with Pitchfork Abortion and Womb Stretch of the Magnificent. Here's Tim Riley. 
Here's something kind of interesting. Let's call this a snuff watch. Here's your snuff watch for Thursday on the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Is everything okay over there? Yeah, I went to the well, there's a piece of there's a big piece of carpet rolled up in the middle of the floor for some reason, which I guess we don't really need. It doesn't really cover anything. Oh, so there's it's basically like the size of a welcome mat, but it's rolled up. And I went to the Viso fridge just now, and on the way back I tripped and nearly uh, nearly nearly whacked my brains. No, it looks like you're bouncing off the wall like a Take on Me video. I, I was not in any way emulating the Take on Me video. So this was said to me from the Casper Star Tribune. Whatever. It sounds like a bustling little newspaper. It does. A celebration of the life of James William Jim Adams will be held at a later date. He died at Converse County Hospital in Douglas. Is this an obituary? Yes, but it's amusing. All right. Jim, who had tired of reading obituaries, noting others' courageous battles from this or that disease, wanted it known that he lost his battle. It was primarily the result of being stubborn and not following doctor's orders, or maybe just living life a little bit too hard for better than five decades. He was sadly deprived of his final wish which was to be run over by a beer truck on the way to the liquor store to buy booze for a date. <laughs> True to his personal style, he spent his final hours joking with medical personnel, cussing and begging for narcotics, and bargaining with God to look after his loving dog, Biscuit. He would like to thank all his ladies for putting up with him for at least 30 years. During his life, he excelled at anything he put his mind to. He loved to hear and tell jokes and spin tales of grand adventures he may or may have not have had. Uh, in lieu of flowers... He asked you to make a sizable purchase at your favorite watering hole, get rip-roaring drunk, and tell stories he can no longer tell. Excellent. What is his name? His name is Jim Adams. All right. He's only 53. Godspeed to you, Jim Adams. Well done. Best obituary ever. There you go. There's your uh, snuff watch. It's Tim Riley. Do a come on, we'll break. We'll come back. Uh, let's see. Well, we got Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer coming up. Uh, Susan Reynolds do her top five love lorn teenage angst songs. Uh, we'll interrogate the next uh, birth of a salesman entrant. Don't forget, we have another uh, pair of Robert Plant tickets today. Uh, Robert Plant, Allison Cross next Tuesday. Be listening for a Led Zeppelin lyric as it is worked into casual conversation. I never told this white trash story from last night, but it seems I don't know. I'll either do I'll it. Hear it. I'll do it later. Or maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, also. We should, I mean, probably technically we should do this tomorrow, but I think probably today we might do a little Instapoll about about what's going to happen with this debate tomorrow. Because I, mean, I guess they're holding the location. I guess Barack Obama's going to be there. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll just talk about it real briefly now. I mean, McCain can't not show up, right? Like, he just can't. Well, they're can't, all meeting right now, right? They're all meeting in Washington because of this plan. But it's like Obama already said, well, I'm... Look, I'm in Washington, but I'm certainly going to be in Mississippi for the debate. And he's already just flat out said, like, it's, it's on, baby. And McCain has still, what is McCain saying now that he's, he's hedging? It's still it's yeah. still not clear whether he can go. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless McCain, like, has duties that Barack Obama doesn't, I mean, which is possible, I don't really know. So, I don't know, man. It's, it's just like, like the more he's digging his heels, the more he looks like a big pansy. I, I think it, I think somebody really nailed it last night. They, they said, A, yeah, he looks 
I mean, he does look kind of weak. And I, frankly, I think if McCain at this point goes to the debate, I think he's screwed either way right now. If he goes to the debate, he looks like Barack Obama sort of made him go. And then he obeyed Barack Obama, uh, you know, which makes him look like a beta. But if he doesn't go, it just looks odd. You know, I, it looks strange, frankly. And I mean, well, again, I don't mean to pile on. He's having a, ba- a bit of a week. But uh, it doesn't really seem like if you're a 72-year-old guy, a lot of health issues, maybe you don't always seem like you're that on the ball. Maybe you don't want to do a whole lot of things that seem strange or weird or eccentric. Because then that starts to look like... Uh, you know, then you, you know, then you just start to look like my aunt Mary, who would take things from around the house and wrap them up and give them to people at Christmas time, thinking she'd bought them. You don't want to be that. Uh, all right. So I don't know. So where do we stand now? Do we think it's going to happen? And if so, do we think he'll show up, Tim? Yes. Sarah Dillon, will the debate happen? Will he show up? Yes and yes. All right. I think. What do you think? Richie Bristol, will the debate happen? Will McCain show up? Uh, no. Well, you don't think it'll happen at all. You think he's going to stay in Washington? All right. At this point, I think he will show up. I think the debate will happen. But I think the first, no matter what, they, he'll do that thing. No matter what questions they ask him, he will answer a totally different question, which is what they always Everybody does that. You know, uh, Senator Obama, what are you going to do about, you know, what? and then it's like, so, what are you going to do about parking meters? Cloudy. <laughs> Barack, Ob- Barack Obama, uh, what is your favorite, you know, what is your favorite uh, Beatles album? And then he will instead say, well... Uh, to, to, to buy a Beatles album, you need money. And to get money, you need a job. And to need a job, we have to stop this insane bailout of CEO Golden Parachute, where they always just answer whatever they were going to talk about anyway. So if he does show up, McCain's first three responses, no matter what the question is, that'll be about, well, as you know, I was in Washington doing the people's work, which is what they And then I made Mary, me the seamstress with five jobs. <laughs> totally. Exactly. But despite only having one arm... <laughs> Manages to do alterations for all the people in her town. And when I was in Washington, I met a squeegee man at the intersection of K and 15th. And while he was washing my windows for 15 cents, he talked about his struggles, which are the struggles of every squeegee man in every city. And the terrible woman groomed cats for minimum wage. (laughs) Pets or meat. Uh, Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Um, McCain's eye went all cattywampus the other day, so he's got Bell's palsy. He's not going to show. Now, see, let's not let's be very clear. We're not. Now, see, did you hang up? Are you still there? No, I'm here. What is with phones clicking today? It's hey, well, I just wanted to get It's like you, somebody uh, else's. All right, what I, was gonna... I didn't want to be a douchebag and be on speakerphone. All right, well, thank you. Uh, what I was going to say, we, we are not saying McCain had a stroke, and we are not saying he had Bell's palsy. That is, uh, if the callers say that, then that is their prerogative. We are not saying that that is true. We are not saying that is the case. I am saying uh, that according to Google today, the number one Google-trained search term is McCain's left eye. Uh, close behind that is McCain and stroke. So Also, uh, he has a, his cancer has come out of remission, and typically with melanoma, you have about six months to live after it comes uh, out of remission. See, that's, I that's, hope it has a long life. Again, myself. that's you saying that. We're not saying that. Thank you. Right, let's do one more, and then we'll break. Talking to me? I are you talking to me? I don't see anybody else standing there, Tim, so I must be talking to you. Well, let's go to Florida for this charming story. To where? Florida. Oh, that was appropriate that I hit the cricket by mistake. All right. A free gas giveaway sponsored by a lawyer in the radio station turned into a free-for-all. <laughs> Attorney Willie Gary and the local hip-hop station X102.3 sponsored a free gas giveaway to the first 102 listeners who went to a Walmart gas station. Well, some 3,000 people showed up, causing four major traffic crashes 
One man is also charged with three counts of battery for hitting a woman in the back of the head and hitting police officers. All right. Uh, Richie Bristol, is this Dorothy? Is this uh, Dorothy Carson? Should we be, uh, can she hang through the break or should we, should we do this now? All right. If this is Dorothy, we can do it now. I sound like Bill O'Reilly. F it! We'll do it live! You know, we haven't, you know, we don't play that soundbite nearly enough. Richie Bristol, what the, what is the deal? Should I break or should I wait? All right. I think it's going to be Dorothy right there. You know, we don't play that Bill O'Reilly thing. I think we played it once, and then it just sort of fit. Lycus plays it a lot, though. F it! We'll do it live! By the way, uh, the, the, the punk fans in the house want to note that Wednesday 13 has a live album coming out that is called F it! We'll do it live. So there you go. Good for you. All right. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson radio program. From America's finest newspaper, the National Enquirer, the one and only Dorothy Carcassari. How are you today? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. I've never been better. Um, <laughs> That's good. It's just uh, every single day. I feel like we're, you know, you know, did you ever watch, uh, and I know you do, you watch movie trailers evolve over the last few years, and they've started doing, and I do have a point here, <laughs> they've started doing this thing in movie trailers. I think maybe... It began in the sort of uh, Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2 era of trailers where they the trailer starts with what they call a high incident, uh, which is sort of, a, you know, something happening. It's like a big explosion or, you know, big uh, somebody saying a catchphrase. And then they then they do the setup. You know, John McClane was just an ordinary cop until he went on vacation. And then it's like Alan Rickman or whatever. And then as the and this is especially true of action films or thrillers. As the trailer goes on, you hit the final 30 seconds of the trailer where they start playing the music louder and faster, and they start cutting faster and faster and faster and faster, and pretty soon they're showing you like one scene every second and a half, and then it ends with... And then the guy says, I got a feeling it's only just begun. And then they show the credit screen, right? Well, you you study movie trailers pretty carefully. I'm impressed. Also, I have no life, so that does help. <laughs> but I feel like it, not just in the election, because it's really easy just to talk about the election. We've fallen into talking about the election a lot because it's really the biggest. So it's the biggest sport, the biggest soap opera, the biggest scandal. It is the biggest tabloid story. It is the biggest political stories. All of that stuff. But you know, the economy and everything. Where every day now the changes are just coming faster and mm-hmm. faster, and they're more and more provocative, or just uh, unbelievable. So we had this breaking news yesterday from the Enquirer. I know that people are going to be uh, able to read about this. The new issue on sale tomorrow. I'm reading this directly now from the NationalEnquirer.com. In a world exclusive, the National Enquirer names GOP VP candidate Sarah Palin's secret lover. So. Uh, have you, have you, do you, can you give us the, the sort of broad strokes of what we're talking about here? Definitely. I, I like the comparison that you made, by the way, to the current events and the movie trailers. Next time I'm in a theater, I'm going to have to take careful hey, watch on that. You can totally steal that from me. I don't care. <laughs> okay, so basically you know that Sarah Palin has been denying the fact that she had this extramarital affair. Right. Uh, granted, you know, this is over over a decade ago, but it's still, uh, according to our sources, happened, and now we are – getting uh, somebody on the record, uh, giving their name, giving even their photo in this week's issue. This is a family member of the other man's wife. 
if you can follow that. All right. So you are getting. Wait, hold on. So you okay. are. You have somebody going on the record, and they are. I'm say say it one more time, because I kind of lost the thread about it. Okay. The person that we have going on the record right. is a family member of ah. the man that Sarah Palin had the affair with of his wife. All right. Okay. He was married also. And so, and this is a, this is like an affidavit. I mean, this is not a, the, the sources say or unsubstantiated rumors. This is like a guy flat out saying, like, look, here's it, this is this is the case. Right. We have three sources, three family members close to uh, Hanson's wife. Now, uh, let me back up for a second here. Uh, Brad Hanson is the person that was the business partner with Todd Palin, and Brad Hanson is the one that Sarah Palin had the affair with. Uh, according uh, to our sources. So here's a here's a silly question. At this point, where there's so much going on, and I mean, it really, there's just been so much. I mean, uh, that whole family is like that whole family is like one one whole season of Days of Our Lives condensed down into like a week and a half. There's just always something. Does the Inquirer still bother to call the Palin family and go, "Look, the jig is up. We've got it. What, what are you going to do?" Or do you just run with it? <laughs> Well, it depends on certain stories. You know, we go for common and certain stories we don't. Um, but the thing about – the thing that's made this so interesting, um, you know, is because Sarah Palin came out of nowhere. Right. And so usually when people come out of nowhere and they're not in the media spotlight, the media has no reason to really look in, into them very in-depth. Right. But then when they're suddenly launched onto the worldwide stage – you know, people are curious. Who is this woman, and who are these people in her family, and what kind of skeletons are in their closet, basically? Well, maybe he was just a sucker for that hair that comes right off the set of Dynasty, circa <laughs> 1986. You know, <laughs> who's to say? Uh, and then, and I'm, and this is actually now. This is how this is how fast things move. This is actually now old news. But there was you know, some video of Bristol Palin getting high. Right. That was in our last week's issue. I just can't even. I can't even keep up. They are. They are the gift that keeps. You know that they are just like a. They are a a cornucopia uh, of grist for you guys. They really are. They're like a. They're like a Ponce de Leon fountain of youth, except it's like a fountain of sleaze. Um, we've we've uncovered a lot about them, and we're still investigating them. And there's still going to be some more stories to come out. And that's the best thing I've ever heard. Uh, here's not the best thing I've ever heard. I. Normally we make fun of people, and uh, we're not above uh, throwing in a few jabs, and we like to mock the misery and misfortune of others. I'm not going to pretend that we don't. Tell me a little bit about this sad, sad business of Ed McMahon rapping. Oh gosh, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna ask about the plane crash that happened last weekend. Oh, I'm DJ AM and Travis I'm, Parker. I'm sorry. No, well, we can talk about that as well. I forgive me if you can't speak to the Ed McMahon thing. I know there's a lot going on right now. Well, no, I mean, yeah, definitely there's a lot going on with Ed McMahon. He's he has no money. He has money. And he has no money. Uh, he's all over the board for sure. And so he's doing, I guess he's uh, he's been recruited to, to rap for free credit report. Right. And all I know is it's like something where he's in like like a hoopty, uh, uh, you know, and, and then he's wearing like a Kangol hat and doing like some bad rapping. And kind of, that's kind of all I want to know because the rest of it just seems so awkward. But I did actually want to ask about desperate the... Desperate times call for desperate measures. Don't forget that. They do. I did actually want to ask about the... Uh, oh, I'm going to make a note to myself about Ed McMahon. I'm going to have the appropriate... Um, but about the Travis Barker thing and DJ AM, I did actually, now that you mentioned, want to want to clarify a point because obviously the, the plane crash and the, the four deaths and then those guys in critical condition, are they... Is that like in a burn unit, or what kind of? I mean, what what kind of injuries did they sustain? I mean, they were serious, but what were the nature, if you know? Right, well, they are actually in a burn unit oh. in Georgia. Uh, they were both rushed there after the plane crash. An eyewitness told us, actually, you can read about this in our new issue, that when uh, 
when the eyewitness got up close to the crash, he saw two people on fire. Uh, and uh. he realized that it was DJ AM, which, whose real name is Adam Goldstein, and Travis Barker. And they were, DJ AM stripped off his own shirt, and then he helped Travis to strip off the burning clothes from his body. Mm. So it was kind of this uh, horrible, tragic incident, and then this, you know, real testimony to their friendship mm. kind of shining through. So they were both uh, taken to a, a burn unit and basically... Uh, and that's a, yeah, that's a long that's a long way back. I mean, that's a long oh, yeah. road of recovery. Oh, yeah. Any kind of burn injury is just... Well, we, we spoke exclusively with DJ AM's sister, Lara Long, and she said that he suffered second-degree burns over his face and arms. Uh. Uh, about 12% of his body was burned. Uh. And uh, actually, Barker... Was, he suffered burns on the lower half of his body. But doctors are saying that both of them are supposed to make a complete recovery. It's just, you know, going to take a lot of time, obviously. All right. The new issue comes out tomorrow. The National Enquirer, Dorothy Carcassari, as always, a pleasure and a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dorothy. There you go. It's Dorothy Carcassari at the National Enquirer. Excellent. I dig her. Yeah, no, I saw this, uh, I threw, and we'll take a break. I saw this thing with the Ed McMahon story, and that's kind of, I think I threw off the set when I was saying it's a trash thing. This picture of Ed McMahon sitting in like a Jeep, wearing like, you know, the whole outfit, that's just no good. Well, that's bad. I don't even know that I want to hear it. Let's take a break. We'll come back after this. Tim Riley, you have more news for us? Oh, yes, yes. That's so exciting. Uh, later on, another birth of a salesman semifinalist. Uh, we'll put the screws to him, and then uh, we'll have Susan Reynolds' top five lovelorn teenage angst songs. Uh, later on, Robert Plant tickets and more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right. You know what? Nobody. Why has nobody done this, Tim? Why has nobody, you know, with all these troubled financial times, the economic downturn or whatever it is they're calling it, instead of him having to dress up in like a Kangol hat, you know, pretend that he's cool Modi, why doesn't somebody recruit Ed McMahon to talk to the American people about this financial uh, struggle we're having right now? That'd be great. Capitalizing. It solves his problem. Capitalizes on his recent sort of bad notoriety. You know, and uh, frankly, uh, let's just say what needs to be said. Ed McMahon's much more trustworthy than George W. Bush. You just have to know that that's the case. So, uh, and then he could, uh, you know, they could crack open a beer. We'd all, uh, we'd all smile. It's all almost right. like he's become the new Bella Lugosi. <laughs> really? That is, that is sort of true, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just sad. Uh, KCMD Portland, by the way, is CBS radio station. I mean, I'm, it's the last I'm going to say about it, but I'm looking at this photograph of Ed McMahon. Uh, let's see here. Uh, he's doing this thing for free credit report. Are they the ones that have that great jingle, the creditreport.com, baby? Freecreditreport.com. Yeah. Freecreditreport.com. The video features Ed McMahon wearing a tracksuit, being chauffeured around L.A. in a Cadillac Escalade golf cart, and waxing lyrical about his public financial troubles. And then he's rapping, and again, he's dressed up in, you know, rap wear, looking like a billion years old. Uh, and he's doing this thing for freecreditreport.com. It's just, and I know that it's supposed to be a gag, like, look, he's Ed McMahon, but he's rapping, but it's just... All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, expect more crap from Johnny Depp as he signs on to do another Pirates of the Caribbean picture. I just had a Johnny Depp story right here. 
damn it, as if the other ones weren't enough. But then again, he's doing a couple of other projects for Disney. He's going to play Tonto in the new Lone Ranger movie. And also... Wait, hold on. Let's take these, let's take these inanities in chronological order. He's doing another Pirates of the Caribbean movie? Yes. Is there a lot of demand for that? Yes. Is there really? Yes. From who? The public. That's true. Stupid public. Uh, boy, I really wanted to like those movies. I did. I really wanted to like Pirates of the Caribbean. I the first one like once and, and it was okay. Yeah, and it was long, turgid. It just seemed so long. It felt like it went on forever. Oh, and every one is longer. They're all... Three satisfying naps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the second one's even longer. The third, I mean, I don't know if they're actually longer, but everyone feels longer than the one before it. And, it, you know, and you know, I love Johnny Depp. Um, you know, and, and Disney, once upon a time, made good movies. Not like recently. Or, and they've been a great cast. I don't dislike Orlando Bloom. I like Jeffrey Rush. Uh, you know, but boy, it was just, and he, again, not unlike Robert Downey Jr. in Less Than Zero, Johnny Depp and Pirates of the Caribbean is like best thing about a bad movie. So... Well, F that. And then he's going to play in Tim Burton's adaptation of Alice in Wonderland. Playing. He's going to be the Mad Hatter. Ah, right there. I mean, the thing about Tim Burton... Uh, well, let's back up. First of all, he's going to be playing Tonto? Yes. Tonto, the Indian. Okay, I mean, look, I know he's a gifted actor and all, but Johnny Depp is not an Indian. I mean, I know... He probably said he wasn't a pirate either. Well, that's a good point, Tim. Touché. Game, set, match. Mm -hmm. All right, there you go. Uh, let's see. So, uh, blah, 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 Lone Ranger, yada, yada. Uh, and then he's making, and this is, I read this story this morning. Uh, Johnny Depp will preside over the Manic Tea Party in Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland as the Mad Hatter. I was thinking this when I read this story. Maybe you all have had these, these thoughts. Does it seem to you, like, lately, every time Johnny Depp, or usually with Tim Burton, announces they're going to do a movie... It seems like something that seems so perfect. You're amazed it hasn't already been done. Mm -hmm. you, you go like, of course. He's the, like it's and like it's such a it's such a perfect fit that you actually have to stop and sort of realize, wait a minute, he hasn't already done it. It just seems like such a given. Uh, you know, it, not unlike I mean, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is the same thing. I mean, it just seems so obvious that he should have done it. Sort of like being like Pierce Brosnan being James Bond. Like it's just like it's inevitable. Uh, so it is with Alice in Wonderland. And, you know, I'm not typically big on reimaginings, remakes, whatever. And, frankly, Tim Burton's got a bit of a checkered history there, too, Planet of the Apes. But the idea of, of Tim Burton making – is this for Disney, do you think? Yes. Uh, so the idea of Tim Burton making Alice in Wonderland is – I mean, I'll, man, I'll, I'll give money to that right now. I'll buy my tickets today. They haven't even started shooting it. Uh, and Johnny Depp being the Mad Hatter is great. I mean, that there's you know, one finest actor of his generation. He is. All right. Do a couple more here. We'll welcome the birth of a salesman uh, semifinalist in here in a few minutes. Uh, Susan Reynolds will join us for the grilling. Then we'll uh, do a break and we'll do the top five. And then the more hilarity. Here's Tim Riley. Fans are mixed about the uh, new gay Clay Aiken. Several fans have written on his website in support of him. One fan wrote, I only wish he would have trusted our love for him enough so he didn't feel he had to hide this. He appears on the cover of People magazine saying, yes, I'm gay. The issue comes out tomorrow. Another female fan says, okay, that I still have a crush on him. I mean, I wasn't going to get him anyway. And now I, and now I feel I'm really not going to get him. Because I'm fat and homely. Oh, that's funny. Also, I like the fact that he's, quote, the new gay Clay Aiken. Mm -hmm. And also that they claim he was, quote, hiding his gayness from us. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a little hiding in plain sight is what they call that.
I love the I love the idea that one of his bucktooth fans is all like, well, now, now he won't find me attractive at all. There's just some spot-faced girl living in a basement scratching herself all day. Jesus. Kirk Cameron says, I will only kiss my wife. When it comes to smooching, Kirk Cameron only has lips for his own wife. Apparently... I only have lips for you. He was uh, supposed to kiss an actress playing his wife in a new movie, Fireproof. I have a commitment not to kiss any other women, he said on the morning show. I am a sexless, joyless twit. His real wife is actress Chelsea Mobile. All right, let's hold on. <laughs> Sarah and I immediately... <laughs> Boy, could we be more Pavlovian? Hold on a second. Uh, Chelsea Mobile? Hold on. Reserve your, reserve your thoughts. Is it mobile like mobile? Uh, noble. Oh, Noble. Chelsea. N-O-B-L-E. N-O-B. Chelsea. N-O-B-L-E. He became an evangelical Christian at 17. Hold on. Chelsea Noble right here. Of course, picture. there's no pictures of her without Kirk Cameron. Oh, she's cute. And speak when she's spoken like to. She's cute. Ah, she's kind of bony. Yeah, and she's got pointy knees. All right. Uh, well, okay, so he's only going to kiss her, really? Yeah. For the rest of his life, that's the only thing he's going to kiss. Yep. Well, until the inevitable fall off of the wagon. You know the you know Willie Ames must come by his house sometimes late at night, big bag of crack, uh, you know, throwing a rock at the window. You know, Kirk, come on, we can we can always we can we can repent tomorrow. What sort of religion is he? You said he's born he's again, but I mean evangelical Christian, like the the the. But is he like the one? Is he like the talking in tongues? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of, really? No, he's. You don't know that he's just crazily, insanely. Um, Christian. Well, I mean, I know he did the Left Behind movies and everything. Uh, he's on infomercials. He's, like, I think a minister at, like, a church. An infomercial for Jesus? Yes. All right. I see him on the God Channel. I'm looking at Chelsea Noble here. You know, uh, there's some photos here where she's okay. they got to kind of put her in the right pose, though. She's, yeah, she's sort of like maybe, um, she is perhaps the person who would play Ann Coulter in the movie. You know? She's sort of passively pretty. She looks a little mannish at the me, but to each his own, I guess, if that's what... If that's who Jesus wants you to kiss, then who am I to second-guess Christ? So I'm trying I, to find pictures of her, and I stumbled across this page. It's called Mike Kirk Cameron and Chelsea Noble Shrine. Uh-huh. You know, wow. let me just say this. If you have, and I'm just going to speak the plain truth here because everyone knows this, this to be the case. If you have a shrine to anybody, you are either uh, an insane Christian or gay. That's just it. Like this guy Chris I went to high school with, uh, Chris had a shrine to Winona Ryder. And it was pictures of Winona Ryder cut out, hung above his dresser, and then he had a whole series of colored votive candles that he would light every afternoon to the shrine of Winona Ryder. And I think, looking back on it now, with the endless wisdom of hindsight, I think that Chris believed that he was sort of like, that that's what guys did. You know what I mean? You know, guys are like, hey, look at that Heather Locklear. Boy, what I'd give to her. I got what she needs. And so Chris was like, okay. Kennewick is a small town filled with rednecks. I have to look like a guy. What am I going to do? All right. Uh, I, I will cut pictures of Winona Ryder out of a People magazine, and I will light scented lavender votive candles around them, and then I will tell everybody about this. So then Chris would come to school, and he's like, so I have this shrine to Winona Ryder in my bedroom. Uh, and immediately we're like, well, okay. I've always Thanks so to, much. I have that big picture of when I was at that bishop's ad, and um, – Pasha, my friend who took the picture, you know, made, mounted this huge picture of me. So I've always wanted to secretly make a, jokingly, a shrine to myself on my mantle and then have people over but not address it whatsoever and, like, spill out my own name in macaroni noodles. That is so great. And just kind of light a bunch of candles and stuff and just put a bunch of pictures of me in the corner of the mantle. We should totally do that. We should have a little shrine to ourselves. Tim, are you on board? 
a shrine to ourselves? Totally. We should de- we should demand that CBS put up a shrine to us like somewhere. Because I was going to have a Christmas party. I was thinking about doing it. Well, you know, I used to have that huge picture of my own face behind my desk yeah. in my office, and it fell down. But you know what? Susan keeps reminding me about this, and I keep forgetting to do it. One of those big banners for the show that they hung on 888 for the Emerson Address, uh, those are all in storage. i got to hang one of those behind my desk. You know, just, you know, some guy comes in, so just, you know, gives you a little bit, I think it gives you a little psychological edge in a sort of Chairman Mao kind of way. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's I do... want one of those. We could hang it behind. We should get huge pictures of our faces and to- just hang them everywhere. Can I please get one of my face just behind me so when I'm yes. sitting here looking at guests? Yes. What, what say you, Tim? You want a big picture of your own face? I'm right back there. Sure, why not? All right, I'll get right on it. I don't it. want to feel left out. Uh, let's do one more story, then we'll do the birth of a salesman uh, guy and uh, later on the top five. By the way, this email says, Rick, uh, I get the feeling you are an avid Farker. Would I be correct in that assumption? Actually, you would not be uh, correct in this. I no longer read FARC.com. Not that I have anything against it. Uh, FARC.com is a great website. I actually don't read FARC now only because it is a website read by every DJ on Earth. A clear channel at one point actually put out a memo to all of their DJs saying, read FARC in the morning. You know, like sort of the hive, like the Borg email went out, that you are to read FARC, uh, you know, or whatever, uh, from the big steel cube. And so I don't anymore. Not that, like, I don't run across the same stories anyway. Uh, but just because it does, in some small way, decrease the chance that I will be reading exactly the same uh, crap that, like, you know, every other you know, DJ is reading. So here's Tim Riley. Okay, so this is a fluid situation, apparently. Lawmakers are stepping up to the mic at the White House right now. And Senator Richard Shelby is telling reporters there is currently no agreement. I thought there was an agreement, like, five minutes ago. Well, they they agree... In that theory, they, that they need to make an agreement. That was somebody having a stern talking to and making sure that nothing gets bad, whatever. All right, well, that's, that means that, well, John McCain is still up in the air then. So, wait, so is this that, is this like when you sign maybe a letter of intent? I guess so. You know, like, you know, like with what a... What does any of this crap mean? Really? Well, you know, like with an athlete or entertainer, you, you don't sign, but you sign a letter of intent, meaning I will sign with the William Morris Agency, you know, details to be worked out. Uh, and then you Gladly. go, and then you... <laughs> Let me we're, get, working on, we're working on right now. Let me get Mike Ovitz on the phone, Tim. Please do. Uh, is Mike Ovitz still a player? Yes. All right. Where does he, is he his own thing uh, now? CCA, I think. CCA. Uh, maybe that's like a letter of intent for the budget. That, like they agree in theory, but then they got to actually put it together. But as Sarah pointed out, you know, the longer he can run out the clock, the more an excuse McCain has to be like, well, I'm not going to be able to make it. Twitch. Uh, you know, I, I won't be able to it's be just, there. It's just pure laziness. Like, he has his own private plane. Just fly there for a couple hours, then come back and, you know, work your ass off on that bill again. Well, you know, why don't they just do this? You know what Obama should say? Have the debate in Washington? Yes. Not that I will get... Look, and I, by the way, for people who think that we lean one way or the other, uh, first of all, everyone is not everyone is more or less equally hated by us, or by me at least. But I have told Richie, try to get the McCain campaign. I, they won't call us back either. No one from either campaign will call us back. They hate us. So, you know, whatever. So I guess we just have to suck on that. But uh, but they, he ought to do that. Obama just ought to be like, look, all right, you know, we'll bring the, deba- we'll bring the debate to you. you, know, you can broadcast. Many- look, if you can broadcast from a cave in goddamn Af- Afghanistan, you know, if, and those guys, they don't even have chairs over there. Uh, then we can broadcast from Washington. You know, they, they do that a lot. It's called C-SPAN. Whole channel for it. So Obama should be like, look, you tell me, look, I'll meet you on the street corner if you want. So apparently there's a, an Obama-McCain briefing coming up shortly from the ah. White House. You know what? I don't want a briefing. I want a pantsing. Ha <laughs> ha! All right. More news from you later on, Tim? I guess so. This is an ever-changing event. All right.
and so frustrating. So it really funny. is. I want to get it over with. Me too. Well, but, who do they think they are? But I mean, let me ask you this: Do you do, do you want to get it over with? But at the same time, do you want to drag it out forever? Because I kind of do. No, I, I wish somebody would do something. They, they can start on something fresh. Uh, but, but that's scandal out there. Well, but that's not going to happen. I mean, I well, there is. But you know, this. Did you know that yesterday the offshore drilling ban expired? Yes. Yeah. Nobody talked about it. Uh, again, Sarah Palin, blah blah blah, humping some guy who sells snow machines. Not okay, talking about. I'm looking at a marine standing by a door. Everybody is standing outside the door at the White House for the bailout briefing. All right. So we'll let you know if something happens. So people are now listening to me look at you while you look at a guy standing outside a door. You're right. to come out that door. Standing outside a door. So we're waiting for some. They're moving a mic. We're waiting for this no. briefing that's supposed to happen any time now. Well, I'm sure, should we wait for it? Uh, probably. I, I need so, to, uh, you don't want this to ever end? I want it to end immediately. I feel like I'm waiting for the dark night all over again. Well, well, this is happening. Let me tell you another interesting story. All right, and then Richie, uh, will you please bring uh, Steve and Susan into the uh, Rick Emerson studio? That would be uh, that'll be ever so. So, at any second now, I guess we can get uh, ready to uh, pot up on CNN. Mm. I'll let you know. ACDC still knows how to draw a crowd. Live Daily says 18 of the Classic Rockers show on the group's upcoming tour are sellouts, with tickets being snatched up quickly as they went on sale last weekend. They're not playing here in Portland, but they are playing in Seattle at the Key Arena November 29th and the Tacoma Dome the night after that, November 30th. Now, see, I was... Okay, I wish they would get their story straight on this, because, first of all, A... Uh, and I was having a discussion with somebody the other day about ACDC selling all their stuff. You know, it's only at Walmart now, and is that a sellout and whatever, and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they're ACDC. They can do whatever they want. But, uh, I, you know, my wife has never seen ACDC. And when we first met, it's like that education thing. She's like, you are going to the Indigo Girls. Uh, you are going to, you know, and then she took me to a lot of, like, preachy, like, feminist screeching over a banjo or something. And then I told her, I'm like, you know, she'd never seen a metal show. She'd never seen any sort of, like, you know, like a hip-hop show. So I took uh, Lara to see... Uh, uh, to see Public Enemy, and I took her to see Corn, and uh, you know she's gone to Rockfest a couple years now. So, um, but I thought like you know I'm like your life is not complete until you see ACDC in concert. Like you just have to. It's part of being an American. One must see ACDC. And then we missed them the last time, and so they they changed it now three different times. And I, there's a niche problem I know. But first they were going to be in Tacoma, then Seattle, Friday, then Saturday. Then it was just Tacoma according to the website. Now it's Tacoma and Seattle, but Sunday and Saturday. It is. Can't figure anything out. Key Arena, November 29th, and Tacoma Dome, November 30th. All right. So Seattle first and Tacoma. Why are two places so close by? I don't know. And why Tacoma? Don't people in Tacoma have transportation to get to Seattle? Well, transportation they've stolen from people in Seattle. Mm. Uh, All right. Well, Chris Paddock, he'll let me know. I'm not going to believe it until Chris tells me. All right. Uh, Without further ado, let's welcome uh, to the Rick Emerson Radio Program, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds. Hello. Good afternoon. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. All right. Have you enjoyed the last... uh, have you enjoyed the last 24 hours? Immensely. All right. We'll leave Did it at that. Did you your hair? Yes. It looks nice. I noticed it, too. I didn't notice it. <laughs> Thank um, you, Rick. Uh, Susan's been getting a lot done in the last day, haven't you? Unbelievable amount. It's, the office has run like clockwork for the last 24 hours. Never better. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's also welcome out of the Rick Emerson Show, a man known as Steve. Hello, Steve. Hi. All right. Do me a favor. Uh, you can lean back and pull that mic down right in front of your face there. Sure thing. Uh, all right. Hello, Steve. How are you today? Very good. Well, I'm trying to Steve find your own uh... voice. You do. You have a good voice for it. You ever been on the radio? I have. All right. Okay. Let me look at your thing here. Uh, let's see. You uh, went to Marquette University. Where is that? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. All right. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yay! Yes, sir. A Midwestern. Uh, boy. I almost took a job there. I well, I say almost. I tried desperately to get a job. <laughs> they didn't call me back. Uh, let's. You have a broadcasting degree. I do. 
If I can ask, how much did you pay for that? Uh, I'd rather not disclose the exact finances. That was it more than was it more than you should have? Uh, probably not. Okay. I also I also have a, I like a man who a, stands by his purchase. <laughs> I also have a communication studies degree, so I got two degrees in my four years. All right then. Uh, let's see. You have previous experience working for Crystal ninety three in Dillon, Colorado. Uh, let's see. More importantly, you are a fan of the show. You would be a great addition to the sales staff, you say, because you have no fear of making cold calls. I would also be a great addition to the AM970 staff because I understand teamwork and I can I can carry heavy stuff and reach things on high shelves. Uh, we should have Are we going to test me on that? I'm serious. We could have there are things up on these shelves up here. And we got a refrigerator. You can try to pick that up. We well, can... I spent last summer hauling around pegs. You know, creep, a, her- so. a hernia is a small price to pay for employment, theoretically speaking. You know? well, if you lift with your legs, it's really not that big an issue. No, no, no. Always with the back. Lift with the spine. That's what you want to do. Okay, right. All right. Okay, so uh, we may have already, we had you on the phone at one point. So what are you doing right now? I am working at one of Portland's finer drinkeries. Uh, Are you, uh, do you give libations to the people? No, I'm in the back working over the hot stove. All right, then. And so is that now, is is that something you have trained to do or you wanted to do, or is it just kind of fell into that, that was what was available? Uh, It helped me work my way through college. All right, okay. Uh, And so, now, do you, have you sold anything in the past? Have you sold... You know, if you have any sales experience, I mean, you said you worked at uh, at Crystal ninety three. What were you doing there? I was the Saturday and Sunday morning guy, what? so putting together the ski reports, the weather reports, traffic reports, ski reports. Oh yeah, I used to do that. Yep. Yeah. And so, did you were you live on the air? Or was it mostly taped? It was uh, all live except for the pre-taped ski reports, and you know, we taped the traffic report, and that would be the traffic report for the day, unless anything major happened, right. then I'd redo one. And Tim Riley, do you have a, do you wish to uh, make an observation? No, not so far. Oh, I'm sorry. You had that. I, I was reading your your expression wrong. There it looked like you were opening your mouth to make an observation about Crystal 93 in Dillon, Colorado. No, no, I, I haven't heard about it. All right. Hey, do you ever listen to the Mud Flap and Catfish show? <laughs> Can't say that I have. All right. All right good for you. All right. Uh, so, uh, Susan, I know you have things you want to ask. Well, what was the format of Crystal 93? Adult alternative. Oh, okay. Sort of like kink, maybe. Uh, probably. Yeah. All right. And, uh, well, my question would be, if you were um, on the programming side of the staff, what would make you want to leap over to sales? Well, uh, I'm looking for a little bit better paying job than what I currently have right now. Good answer. I don't have a job on the programming side of anything right now. <laughs> so, Is your ultimate goal to be in sales or is your ultimate goal to be in programming? Uh, well, my ultimate goal is to be the starting center for the Minnesota Wild, but <laughs> that has kind of... Uh, passed me by. All right. That would but, be my dream job. So in, in radio right now, you could wave a wand, and in 10 years, you're either a successful salesperson or in 10 years, you're successful on the air. Which do you want? Uh, the first one, successful in 10 years. Like, I don't have any real solid desire to be the on-air guy, to be the, uh, to be the you know, kind of right. like you are the flagship of the station, the flagship show of the station. But You want to be a flagship salesperson. You want to be the salesperson all others fear. You want people to tremble before you. Just say it. You want to be a golden god of sales. Yes, but without the acid trip on the roof jumping into the pool. Good for you. All right. I like you already. Uh, all right. So what is it? You go to you, you, you go to some business, some guy sells uh, hubcaps. You walk in, you would say, uh, what? Well, your first words out of your mouth are the, the hubcap guy. And the hubcap guy, for the purposes of this conversation, will be Susan. Okay. <laughs> no offense. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Okay. Uh... How's the hubcap business sales or sales business going? Uh, curious. I can't imagine that being... You know, uh, it's a little slow right now. What are you going to do for me? Well, 
since you're also selling rims to the kids, I'd uh, I'd like to set you up with a nice sales package so you can get your get the word out uh, about your product to all the kids out there who might be looking to upgrade their Honda Civics. And what station is this? Well, I work for CBS Radio Portland, so I can offer you uh, a slot on any number of stations. We have uh, a hip-hop station, a rock and roll station, and a talk station that all the kids are listening to. Uh-huh. And what is so different about this talk station? Well, it's got a very, very fanatical following, and they will buy whatever Rick tells them to. And if I can tell Rick to... They're easily led. Uh-huh. It is a malleable audience who are incapable of forming their own thoughts. What, uh, how would you give me three words to describe this Rick Emerson? Uh, the first word is choke. <laughs> Let's see. That's two. <laughs> you got one more. Make it good. With it. We'll go with a hyphenated one. Uh-huh. With it. He, he's, he's got his finger on the pulse of society. Okay. Um, how much? <laughs> what is it going to cost me? Hey, that's a good one. Let's say we could set you up with a very reasonable package. <laughs> All right. Uh, hmm. Well, go ahead. I Rick. would just say at that point, because here's what's going to happen. Is you're going to go and you're going to go. It's not so much them spending money. They're investing. There you go. Mm-hmm. Look at you over there. Oh, no, oh, Trey, Trey Ant, baby. Oh, oh she's going to go talk to Michael Fashana <laughs> after this. The, totally. Uh, you know, when Sarah first got on the show, we, you know, we, we did as we always do. We told her, we're like, go into sales. We're like, screw this side. F this. Go into sales. Go into sales. Um, cause that's really where the money is for the most part. All right. So you, but that's the thing you're going to, sir, how, you know, we can, you know, with a, um, with a reasonable investment, we can find something, an investment that works for your budget, blah, 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 right. blah. I'm, but, I'm trying not to lie about actual monetary well, figures. Not, not which is kind no, of it's you, not. But yeah. the guy's going to follow up and he's going to go, well, look, I mean, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just set me up in a situation where you wanted me to give actual monetary figures and I would be just lying to say that I had. Okay, any well, idea fair enough. I understand okay. here in the studio you don't necessarily have those, so maybe another way to sort of you know, a way to, to handle that probably. I mean, I don't know the sales guy. I'm down here. Is, is <laughs> then you like you immediately lock in the follow up appointment, or maybe have like a sales package with right. you or something. But I got to say, I like the way you work on your feet, sir. All Thank right. you. What is your favorite Madonna song? Uh, I think I told you Holiday before, so I'm going to stick with that one. All right, good for you. What is your favorite Metallica song? I don't know. I haven't listened to them since I was about 13, but I. Uh... Probably have to go with Creeping Death. <laughs> All right, excellent. All right, uh, Steve, thank you. You did a, it, yeah. Well done, my friend. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. any final uh, comments, questions you have for us? Uh, not really. No, sorry. All right, okay. Do me a favor. Just uh, Before you go, stand on one foot. Hop up and down a little. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm not going to make him do it. I just wanted to see if you'd agree to do it. Well done. All right. Uh, all right. We're going to take a break. Back after this with Susan Reynolds and your teenage moping top five. Steve, thank you so much for coming in, my friend. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show continues. Now. the Rick Emerson radio program. I want to thank Steve for coming in and tolerating our juvenile foolishness here. He did well. He was good. He was really, he didn't sweat. There's that guy that came in before who, you know, was good in his own way. And I had the great suit going on. Man, just, you know, like full-on Ted Stryker sweat, though. And just sort of this rivulets of perspiration and fear going down his face. And this guy didn't sweat, though. So, he's from, uh, he's, what is he from? Milwaukee? Wisconsin? He's Milwaukee. from Wisconsin, right? Yeah. 
from the land of ice and snow. And, you know, you got to be cool as a cucumber when you're in sales. Yes. got to be cool. Yes, you do. Now, I, did you ever sell? No. All right. I tried to sell for like four months, about 20 years ago. No, not 20 years ago. When it would have been 1990, 14 years ago, 94. Uh, so I was trying to, I was doing a, a late night talk show that no one listened to. Um, and uh, that I think they just gave me, looking back, it was in lieu of a raise. Uh, oh. I was doing all this other thing, and I'm like, I need some more money. And they're like, how'd you like uh, two hours? Midnight to two. In a bomb <laughs> shelter that no one can hear. And okay. Uh, and, it was like, and they gave me what I thought was a sweet deal at the time. It's like when they sign, uh, you know, like musicians or athletes, and like, look, there'll be no money, but uh, have this necklace, you know? And it was like, okay. That was my thing, too, where they wouldn't give me a raise, but instead they gave me two hours of airtime that, like, no one cared about. And then, like the cherry on top, I thought, they said, uh, and you can sell your own advertising, and whatever you make, you can keep it knowing I would make nothing. Sure. That was just the worst time of my life. All right, it's 503-733-2970. Let us... I just realized I know that guy. I know where he works. My friend just wrote me, he's just like, is that one of my old employees? Oh, really? He, I, uh... I, have, I knew he looked familiar. I know exactly who he is. Okay, that was All weird. right, then. Do you have dirt on him? No, no, he's nice. Okay. Let's uh, begin today's top five, ladies and gentlemen. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so uh, just to give a little brief recap on this. Boy, and remember this all started with me coming downstairs that one day and going, Sarah, what did you used to listen to when you were drunk on red wine? Mm. And you were like, uh, I don't know. And then it became your teenage depression songs, which became mine. I always wanted an excuse to play I'll Never Get Over You Getting Over Me. Really? That's, just, that's what it came down to, yeah. I should do, you know, here's the thing we should do. We should do top five songs we've been desperately trying to find an excuse to play, but we just can't. There's just been no reason. Uh, so then it was uh, Chris Paddock did it, and then uh, Aaron did it, or, you know, the court's going to do it. And now I realize it's just going to continue forever. Because Scott Daly's going to do his tomorrow. Court wants to do his next week. Jason Crump, oh, vanished yeah. when he's like, dude, if you ever need another, like, I'm, I'm, to I'm there. And then I think we'll give away like a chance. We'll let a listener come in and do it at one point. Oh, that's great. Because the thing that. is, none of the top fives have been the same. They've all been different. The, uh, girl, the girl that I met... Um this past weekend, Larissa, who said that she was listening to the top five, she said that she was actually dubbing her old tapes onto her computer oh. so that she could send you a copy of her top five. Oh, see, that's great. Yeah. I love that. All right. Oh, see, and we can have the listeners email us in their top fives, and then we can pick one. I should require that they actually come off a mixtape, though, that they're actually sourced from the actual yeah. mixtape. All right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we have this Susan Reynolds top five lovelorn teenage angst songs of all time. So, these are the songs... And we sort of said high school just to narrow it down. And these are the songs that you, you would listen to to uh, drown your sorrows, feel less alone, feel sadder, feel gladder. Uh, when the boy doesn't notice you, doesn't talk to you, doesn't call you, whatever, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was no boy calling, noticing, or talking to me. <laughs> it was a very lonely time. But you've become a swan. Well, <laughs> uh, it took me a while. I, I'd say it took me, uh, well, quite a number of years before I, shall we say, blossomed, if that even ever did uh, no, happen. I, I would say that, you know what I would say, you uh, you have transmogrified into the, uh, I was going to say the Liz Lemon of CBS <laughs> Radio. It's not really that, but you know what I mean. It's, uh, oh, I know. like her. That's good. I, I'd be good with that. Well, your transformation, I'm sure, was, has been glorious. Well. All right. So yeah, Susan Reynolds' top five teenage mope songs. Honorable mention, number six, uh, honorable mention, It's Too Late, Carol King. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, this takes me back. Some tapestry, right? Yes. And that was one of the biggest selling pop albums of all time. Yes. My sister used to play this all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, she did write a ton of great songs. Oh, yeah? She and her husband, and then I think they split up. Jerry Goffin. Yeah. But, you know, the whole Carol King... James Taylor, Carly yeah. Simon, that kind of whole era of music. Totally. Well, they were Brill Building, you know, standbys, too. They wrote a ton of, like, those, this kind of Phil Spector-type songs. Yeah. You know what Carole King wrote? Carole King wrote, He Hit Me and It Felt Like a Kiss. Ooh. By the Crystals. Carole King wrote that. Well, thank God I didn't put that on my top five. I'm just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Revelation. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but, but, but she was a, you know, a, a big bubblegum songwriter. I mean, they wrote, yeah. they cranked out sort of, as I said, brill building sort of Tin Pan Alley type songs for a long time. Yeah. Her and Jerry Goffin, her songwriting partner. And then she branched out and created Tapestry, which is like an instant classic. Oh, my God. And, you know, pretty much every song on this album was just oh, yeah. a, a hit for her. I mean, it was huge. It sold like a billion copies. I mean, yeah. You yeah. know, it was like the dark side of the moon of... Uh, of soft rock. Yeah, so that was kind of, you know, it was nice to sit in the room and play this over and over and over again. <laughs> Susan Reynolds' top five teenage angst songs. Number five, Elton John, your song. Oh, I love this song. You know, when I first uh, discovered FM radio <laughs> in my little bedroom in mm-hmm. Wilmette, Illinois, um, Elton John was one of the core artists, yeah. you know, and, and I was listening to a station that was sort of like a kink type station. They played the bejesus out of this. Right. And um, I was just, I couldn't believe Elton John. I mean, I was just like crazy nuts for him. Right. And I think that was one of the first concerts that I ever went to. Uh, which, I'm so jealous. Oh, and, and I remember just sitting there. I had terrible seats way up, you know, beyond the 300 level, whatever it would have been. And I just remember sitting there with my, you know, my face in my hands just like and nobody around me could talk to me nothing i was insane i mean i know it goes with that saying but i mean just beautiful song we did just a billion songs all oh, of them great yeah yeah you know? and i went to see him repeatedly i mean pretty much every time he came to town so and it's easy to you know elton john's at that point where a lot of his i don't even want to say flamboyance but i mean a lot of his sort of you know, his, his his persona at a certain point and a lot of his, you know, later later works overtook. They overshadowed all of this early stuff. Yeah. I mean, and people don't realize he was putting out an album like every nine months oh. and every one of them was a classic. Well, every like one. The, the Tumbleweed Connection, Mad Men Across the Water, those were like... Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road, yeah. Captain Fantastic. Yeah. I mean... So, it's, wow. it's a good one to most. What a great song. Yeah. How wonderful I... Just a simple, beautiful, perfect little song. Mm-hmm. And the strings and everything. Oh. I mean, it just really was lush sounding. Counted down. Susan Reynolds' top five teenage angst uh, songs. Number four, Joni Mitchell, A Case of You. Now, I have to say, in my own defense. <laughs> no need to defend. <laughs> I, guess I played not. I guess Garth that. Brooks and okay. Cinderella. All right. Then, then I'm not feeling bad anymore. No. I will say, Joni Mitchell was an important part of my... Uh, development. She was very, she was very sad, you know, in a lot of her songs. Yeah. And oh, yeah. she just could write lyrics like nobody. Right. So. And I don't know what, I don't know anything about her personal life, but Joni Mitchell always seemed like a girl who was sitting there alone because nobody loved her. 
Yeah, yeah. although she's been married a few times, and, and actually, it was uh, revealed just a few years ago that she had a baby way back when and gave it up for adoption. Oh, I didn't know and that. one of the songs on this particular album, Blue, was written about that. Oh, oh that I know. Me. It oh, that kills up. me. So oh. she was, um, and and she obviously like worked her way through many of the yeah. uh, the the rock stars of that day in sure. terms of love relationships. So she had a lot of material from which to draw. And when you listen to these songs, she still though manages to capture the. The kind of sad girl sitting alone. Well, right, this, you know? the lyrics in this, you know, I could drink a case of you and still be on my feet, right. you know, which is just uh. unbelievable. It's always uh, weird when you listen back to songs later and you find out they were about something. Yeah. Um, I think it's Stevie Nicks, who a long time ago, nobody knew it at the time. Uh, well, it's, I don't, it's, too down, it's too much of a downer. I won't even tell the story, but... You know, it's uh, you find out those retrospective meanings. Yeah, you know? and, and you know what? And when I was in high school, I didn't really even know what drinking a case of anything was like, except Doesn't maybe Coca Cola. Still sounds great. Yeah. Susan Randall's top five teenage moping songs. Number three, Stevie Wonder, All in Love Is Fair. Okay, now it's no secret. <laughs> My great love for Stevie Wonder. And there's a million songs I could have picked from him, but this one really sort of captured it all. This is I from Inner Visions. Inner Visions. All is fair in love. This is, and again, when I saw him in concert, he sang this. I sat there just bawling my eyes out. And it was fantastic. Two people <laughs> I can totally see you. In your bedroom, sitting on the floor, leaning against oh, the bed. Skinny, like big seventies headphones. <laughs> and glasses. I can just hear it like. Oh, no there. headphones required. I just swaying had, back and forth. I had a little. I had my little record player, you know, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My brother was in his room, uh, blasting the Led Zeppelin. Of course. And uh, <laughs> this was me. Mm. This, this record would skip. I would put a quarter on top of the 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 arm, you know, to weigh it down. How it was done. Yeah. Mm. But, but this guy, you know, what a lyricist and, totally. and an all-around musician, really. Uh. And the voice just to kill. Susan Reynolds' top five teenage angst songs. I'd forgotten all about this. Uh, number two, Harry Nilsson or Nilsson as he went by, yeah. Without You. This is a real, uh, this is a real cut sideways song. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't forget. Sarah's already singing <laughs> she along. She is. She's singing along. And that makes me feel good that she knows this song. I love all of songs. Yeah. And this one. I mean, this oh. one just, you know, gut-wrenching, right? And it does that, I don't know, about 40 seconds. We'll get to that part where it goes into, like, the next movement of the song. Yeah. Yeah, this just makes you want to, I don't know. But it's perfect, and you know it doesn't sound that dated. I mean, it, it's a it, it's a classic spare arrangement. Not to mention the name of the album, Nilsson Schmilson, was yeah. one of the great uh, album titles of all time. I think still today holds up. He died pretty young, didn't he? I guess so. Like in the nineties? Yeah, maybe so. And I wasn't a huge Nilsson fan, but this song, you know, this just makes me think about all those horrible times in high school when I was alone. Wait, here we go. Everybody cry. <laughs> wow, this is a bummer. It really is. But truly, when you're in high school and, and you 
don't get the guy or girl that you want, it feels this like is exactly how you feel. Everything is the end of the world. It, it is. Like, you, how can I go on? Oh, yeah. Another minute. I mean, and I and I don't say that to be snarky. I mean, no. I, well, here's the thing. I, would, I wouldn't be a teenager again for a billion dollars. No. There's no way. Being a teenager, at least for me, I know for you, Sarah, sucked. Oh, yeah. It, it was hard enough the sucked. first time around. I could never get through it again. Never again. Well, and now that I have a teenage daughter and I can see, you know, it's the same uh, rules apply today. She sits up in her room. The only difference is she's listening to music on her computer. And uh, she listens to the same songs over and over mm. again. What does she listen to? Do you know? Oh, lots of stuff. that She really likes Jason Mraz, which I thought was, you know, good taste on her part. Uh, but she listens to a lot of indie bands and things she finds on, on you know, MySpace and stuff. So. Count of them, Susan Reynolds' top five teenage mope songs. Okay. Here we go. Number one, Chicago. That toddling town, Color My World. <laughs> and every bar mitzvah that I ever went to, <laughs> I was just going to say, dance. this is just, yeah, this is like when the DJ goes, all right, guys, yeah. here's your chance to ask the ladies to yeah. dance. Don't be shy. But come to think of it, I didn't go to very many bar mitzvahs. <laughs> I was in my room moping. Were you just walking out every day, opening the mailbox, yeah. looking for the invitation yeah. that would never come? Exactly. And my friends would say, oh, are you going to the so-and-so? Oh. No. <laughs> Loser. Oh, maybe they mailed it to the wrong address. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, kind of pathetic. Mm. And this one really did. Uh, it was another one of those. Just made you want to weep. But hearing it now, I don't know. <laughs> hey, at least you could be happy that it's, you know, you, you were no longer that girl. Well, and I will say that the band Chicago, coming from Chicago, was a, was a big deal. Obviously, and yeah. Again, they would come to, through town. Well, they lived there, but I mean, they would, you know, do concerts every year at Thanksgiving. And a couple friends of mine, I would always go. And it was another one of those things. It's sort of a tradition. And then years later, when I was working at WLS in Chicago, and I was producing a morning show, the morning show host was on vacation. We brought in a bunch of guests, right. um, Billy Crystal. We brought in a bunch of people. And the guys from Chicago came in and hosted the show one day. Did you? Like, I'm your biggest fan. Well, no, I wasn't. And at that point, my nerdiness had been left yeah. in the dust. Good for you. I could handle it. Well done, Susan Reynolds. Good top five. Well, thank you. I'm now I'm feeling like I need to just go up in my office, shut the door, and have a good cry. Right. Well, <laughs> I'll tell everybody your lunch. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, Susan Reynolds, ladies and gentlemen, are we going to uh, break here. All right, we'll break. We'll come back. Tim Riley, more news around the corner. Yes, yes. All right, back after this. Uh, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. the best, dumbest thing ever right there. I really needed an anti-Nilsen. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Riding on a winged steed to Valhalla. Uh, let's see, where are we, uh, let's talk to uh, whoever this might be. Hello, caller, what is your name? My name is Rick, Rick. Hey, what's up? Uh, what brings you to the phone today? Uh, well, I was calling you uh, to tell you that you said Milwaukee, Wisconsin was a land of ice and snow, which, other than the Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is the Led Zeppelin lyric. Excellent. There you go, my friend. You are going to see Robert Plant and Allison Krauss next Tuesday at the Rose Garden. Comcastics.com is where you can buy those, but you don't need to buy them. You have won them, my friend. Rick? Yes.
Hi. Did you, did you hear anything I just said? I heard nothing what you just said. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to put you on hold, and Richie will fill you in on the rest. All right. Okay, thanks, C- Congratulations. There, there you go. <laughs> That's wonderful. Here's Tim Riley. And now, now, from the Ministry of Truth. The only way it would have been better if he'd just gone, hello? What's your favorite, what's your favorite radio station? <laughs> uh, yours? Hey, can I tell you that one time, um, this was uh, years ago, I was working in Kennewick at a country station. And, I mean, you can already see the, the things you shouldn't do. Here's that thing in, in, like they say in law, never ask a, your client a question on the stand if you don't already know the answer. So we were doing some, I don't know, some rodeo or some damn thing. And, uh, but we were the presenting station for whatever, like the, you know, the Kennewick Buck Off or whatever. And so this DJ, who's the midday DJ, this guy Adrian, is out there and he, you know, he gets on the mic and there's, you know, however many people, I mean, I guess a big crowd for Kennewick. And everybody's there and, you know, you having a good time, Kennewick? You know, all right, you know, you ready to see some roping or whatever? And then he says, what station is bringing you the Kennewick Buck Off? And then it was like a perfect, I mean, it was like in unison, every single person there shouted the call letters of the big competitor. It was like, like the other, like competitor was, so, they, the, the Heritage Country Station was so entrenched that everybody just assumed, even though there's big banners with the name of our station, everybody assumed it was them. Yeah. So everybody said, K-O-R-D! And he's like, uh, no, it, crap. And he's like, walked off stage. That happens. So, yes, it does. Here's Tim Ryan. So the world is waiting. The cameras are positioned on the politicians, including Barack Obama and John McCain are at the White House. Bring this uh, plan over to save the financial sector of the United States. So what happens? Well, Alabama Richard Shelby on the way out says nothing's been approved. I can tell you, uh, I don't believe we have an agreement. Okay. So after all that waiting, nothing happened. Well, so Sarah is of the opinion... And I don't know if this is true. Sarah is of the opinion that maybe pressure is brought to bear because, look, Republican, you know, Democrat, Republicans run half the place. Democrats run half the place, more or less. You know, every party, I mean, they, they, you know, they, they switch the majority back and forth, but everybody's got their share of players. And so Sarah uh, speculated that perhaps pressure was brought to bear by the appropriate uh, Republican folks to not put the, uh, you know, it really not put a I'm signature on anything. That far. I'm, I'm, I'm astounded that somebody didn't, you know, one of the, you know, big secret government people didn't like put the squash on that earlier so that they can't finalize it which means that mccain don't you know he won't have to go to the debate which means they can move it to next week which means they can bump sarah palin's debate so i mean because i mean this just seems like an insane way to run a country i mean like we've got like why should it be any different we've got a day left and there's just no notion of whether we're actually doing the debate tomorrow right right so we'll, we'll be back tomorrow yes are you done tim I, mean, I have to run back to the newsroom because news is breaking out every second. It never stops. That is true. All right, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world, Tim Riley. All right, there you go. He's back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, top just, of the hour of the way through like us. It's just all so frustrating. It's, like, really stressing me out. I bet if I went to the doctor today and they took my blood pressure level, it would be insane. Seriously. You know, I'm surprised, actually, that there hasn't been a number of people kind of going to the doctor with it because they have whatever they have ample you know whatever it's called amplified stress levels or you know this is like the blood pressure's up or they've just got sort of elevated levels of tension and then they're going to find out that it's because people are freaked out about a the economy b this whole political thing and then you know c the confluence of the two uh, well, what do we got? Like nine minutes here? Yeah, we've got some time. We'll do a little high concept here if you want. Yes, yes. All right, let me, uh, well, here's the thing. I'll give the high concept topic here. Let me find my high concept. Uh, let's see, here we go. All right, it is high concept Thursday. Oh, this was Sarah's idea. Uh, today's high concept topic, uh, in terms of dating someone, uh, going oh, out yeah. with somebody, accepting a date with somebody. 
Uh, so we are looking for this. Uh, when somebody asks you out, a deal breaker is if they blank. When considering whether to go out with someone, a deal breaker is if they blank or if they are blank. You know, whatever. So there you go. Uh, somebody asks you out on a date. Uh, what is a deal breaker? It's 503 733 That is today's high concept topic. Somebody asks you out on a date. A deal breaker is blank. Uh, in the meantime, let's get these two calls. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. I don't have a con- I don't have an answer to your high concept. Okay, I haven't sir. had a chance to think about. It. So, um, I, was that K O R D that you worked at in Kennewick? Uh, I didn't work there. I worked at the Crosstown Competitor, which no longer exists because everybody just listened to K O R D. Even when uh, even even when they were really listening to us, they were thinking it was K O R D. So when you said, "What's the station that brought you the the Kennewick Buck Off?" Everybody said K O R D. Yeah, well, because our station was was Y one oh six. It was like, you know, hey, what? And it was like big banners everywhere. Y106. I mean, everywhere. What station's bringing you the buck off? KLRD. No. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in in Walla Walla, and when I was a kid, KLRD was a rock station. Yeah. I think it's a rock station now. Well, maybe not. I don't know. It's become something else now. Yeah, there's been so much consolidation in the radio business that nobody knows what's going on. Are your stations still for sale? What's that? Are are the CBS stations for sale? Why? Are you going to make me an offer? Well, no, but I thought I read that. Is that accurate? Well, only if you got the money, I suppose. I mean, yeah, I, know. I well, guess in the sense does. that, yeah, in the sense that I guess everything's for sale, but it doesn't really seem like it's a buyer's market for anything right now. Yeah, that's true. Hey, great right. show ever. Thank you. All Bye. right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. High Concept Thursday. Hello. What do you got? I'm voice number three, so nobody ever asked me out. <laughs> that's just oh. sad. That's sad. I should have taken that guy's number, maybe. Who knows? You know, we might have easy credit terms. I mean, if you really seem like the... I guess at this point you don't really need like a sufficient amount of money to buy anything. A house, get a loan, buy yourself like a big ass SUV you can't possibly pay. So really, uh, I guess just wanting to buy the station might really be enough at this point if we can find the uh, appropriate lender. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. High Concept Thursday. Uh, what is a deal breaker? Somebody asked you out. Well, in the case of Timmy Ryan, it's if they work at Plaid Pantry to be sure. Now, see, that's a mean thing to say, sir. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. By a hot girl at the Plaid Pantry. Hey, totally. hey, hey uh, I'm be coming into this a little bit late, but as somebody pointed out, that all we've heard from Bush the past few days is that immediate action is necessary on this, and now they act the Republicans and Democrats table a proposal. I think he. What, what's he doing at this point? Maybe they just meant immediate stalling action. He was sort of vague about the whole thing. Yeah, okay. All right. All right I just Thank want to you. hear that. Thanks. All right. Thanks so much. All right. We'll see if we can actually start this high concept topic. Hello. Hi. Uh, too much craziness in the air. Today. Terms of dating, what is a deal breaker? Have you ever had a high colonic? <laughs> Are you asking me or is that the deal breaker? That's the deal breaker. Okay. Thank you. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, if somebody asks you out, a deal breaker is if they blank. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hi. Hello. Hey. Uh, the deal breaker is if they chew snuff and or spit in the street. That's just so gross. So if they spit anything in the street, and also if they chew any kind of tobacco, etc. Yes. And hey, Sarah. Yes. Doesn't this Federal Reserve thing remind you of the long con in uh, Lost? In terms oh. of being, you know, taxpayers being set up for a con? Yeah, actually, that is kind of comparable. Yeah. Hmm. I love you. Good anyway. talk. Anyway, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Man, my deal breaker is, I've, I've never met this really good-looking person one time, and then they, like, they, I know we always come back to the, to the Bluetooth thing, yeah. but come on. It just shows me that you're, I don't know, that you're lazy and 
that, well, maybe not lazy, maybe trying to do things with your hands, but it's the side concept topic is going poorly. I know. It's not going well at all. Every, because everything is just, I'd like to talk about lost George Bush. I'd like to buy your radio station. I think it's kind of hard to get something like this off the ground, especially with the debate. All thing. anybody really cares about is the debate, I suppose. You know, I should, have, I'm Googling I right should now. have done it. I should have done a debate high concept. Uh, I, I will say this bad teeth. I don't even, you know, not even I really care about this high concept today. No offense, Sarah. It's a good idea. Oh, no. Maybe I, not I for totally today. I that I had suggested it the other day. Don't worry. I just wanted to make... Well, what do we got? How long we got? Like four minutes? Yeah, four minutes. We could do like an election high concept or a debate high concept. I don't even know. Play noises off of our computers. I don't know. Or that, you know, we could do the... uh, What would the TV movie of this whole election saga be called? But I don't really care about that. I don't know. I got nothing. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. We'll see what people are calling about. Uh Hey, guys. Hey. Deal breaker is um, if they're bisexual. Um, I have a hard enough time looking at other chicks, looking at my guy. I don't need other guys looking at my guy. Share him with the whole world. <laughs> All right. Thank you. All right. There you go. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. And it's strange how guys find that hot and women many times don't. I know a lot of women who don't find that to be a turn on at all. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson. There was a whole episode of Alec McBeal about that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello, Rick. What's Deal up? Breaker. When she asked if she can bring her husband along. Thank you. Night at the Improv. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. What's up? Hi, Rick. A lot deal breaker to me would be a girl that doesn't put out on the first date. <laughs> so, Whoa. I think you'd already... Charles Nelson Riley laughed there at the end. Yeah. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. We'll see if this gets any better. If not, I... Thank you. Hi, you're on the <laughs> Rick Emerson... Never made it on the air, jackass. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-733-2970. What do you, uh, what do you got? Well, Rick, I think, I think uh, like Storm, if you were to rape me in, in the car while Madonna was playing, that would break the deal, buddy. Thank you. You need to buy me dinner first. Thanks so much. All right, I want to point out, I think we got one actual response out of all that, but that one was worth it. It was all worth it just to get to that. I've got a bunch of them in my email. Bad teeth, super religious, doesn't <sighs> like the Princess Bride. Doesn't like the Princess Bride. Is that yeah. from Aaron? No, it's from uh, Kenny. I don't even find one to take any more of these. Like a billion calls, they're all going to be bad. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Another one is if they can't respect my love of meatloaf. Oh, yeah. Deal deal breaker for me is if the girl says, can I bring my bass harmonica along? Hang up the phone. Okay, goodbye. Just digging myself in deeper with every call. Hi, Rick Emerson show. Thanks so much. Thanks. It's for all just killing time until we have an answer on whether or not there's going to be a debate. Come on, you know it's true. It's true. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hello. There is. I'm 15. There's no deal breaker. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. We're done. Don't call anymore. We're going to go out on that one. I can't possibly top that. All right. No more calls. Uh. All right. How long do we have here? Uh, like a minute before starting music. <sighs> One minute. So doesn't Dexter start this week? Speaking of the background uh, music? I, I don't know why that just happened. This is one of those days, man. Uh, it has been a great show, just like yesterday was a great show, but a crazy show. And we got one more day this week to get through. I mean, and tomorrow's supposed to be the actual debate. I mean, if, if it happens. All right. Huh. All right. Well, there you go. I'm just going to turn that off. What's the point? Uh, let me see here. What? I'm just reading. Someone sent me my Wikipedia article. It says that I'm a frustrated actress. Is that true? No. It's kind of creepy, actually. I'm looking at this, and it's full of all this stuff that isn't 
really things that aren't actually accurate. Yeah. You're sure you're not a frustrated actress? I'm pretty sure. Oh, pretty sure. I think good. I might be aware. Wait, do you have a Wikipedia entry? I, I thought that maybe it got deleted, but not still. I remember some like some like busybody dick that was going through like flagging a bunch of Wikipedia things a on radio. Frustrated actress Dylan today has found work only as an extra whose scenes have never made the final. No, cut. she's conf- no. They think you're Tim. And Tim is not a frustrated actor. Tim is an actor. Yes. But Tim also does have. There's any number of things that and Tim has filmed that haven't been. And I vent my repressed anger on celebrities via my gossip blog. Well, that is you. That is me. Okay, they're confusing you. They're making you and Tim into one my person. Frustrations of not making you as an actress. No. It's just because you're embittered and drunk. That's true. All right. Uh, we'll end on that. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents James Roop, Steve Kastamon, Lisa Desjardins, Dorothy Costasari from the National Enquirer, uh, Birth of a Salesman semifinalist Steve and Susan Reynolds. Uh, join us tomorrow, and our guests will include Scott Daly from Film Fever Radio, uh, Squiggy uh, from Laverne and Shirley, and uh, uh, something else. Now nah, it's gone. Oh, and we'll find out if the debate's actually going to happen. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for AM 970. The talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phone's Richie Bristol. The gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Donut with me, Reynolds. Like us next. Uh, like us 101 at 5, Michael Mayer Show at 7. See you at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. Watch out for snakes, and goodbye now. Oh, no, that's terrible. Oh, he's dislocated. That's just awful.